Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. Logic, political talk, part of the growing conservative conversation, and also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. Uh, tonight we will be discussing the last GOP debate, as well as the polls and some updates uh, going on with the uh, 2016 election, uh, one of which is Sarah Palin coming out and endorsing Donald Trump. I know she's, uh, at least on some social media, getting a lot of flack for that, and we'll talk about that uh, tonight. Uh, so it'll be interesting. I was hoping to find an audio of for her uh, endorsement today and get it on the show. Unfortunately, I was unable to do that, but uh, perhaps we could do that on some subsequent shows or anyone uh, will find it. Perhaps I'll just find it and just play it over on the show tonight without actually making an audio clip of it. So what we'll do tonight is we'll uh, go through the GOB debate, uh, I've got some audio from there, and we will do our analysis as well as, you know, talk about some of the recent events surrounding the GOP uh, primary uh, that's going on here, especially with the observations of folks about Palin endorsing uh, Donald Trump. Uh, it would be pretty interesting. Uh, and also uh, some of the things we'll discuss is what Trump was talking about uh, with his sister. We'll see uh, all of those. So let's go ahead and get things started. And uh, what I'll do is I'm going to uh, get the first clip here uh, so that we can uh, get uh, get the show going for us. And as I said, we'll probably do this uh, chronologically uh, with the show. And so we'll, you know, move on from there. Uh, so here's the uh, first clip from the uh, debate. Governor Jason, we are uh, not even two weeks into this stock trading year, but think about it. investors have already lost $1.6 trillion in market value. That makes it the worst start to a new year ever. 
many worry that things could get even worse and that banks and financial stocks are particularly vulnerable. And if this escalates like it did back when Barack Obama first assumed the presidency, what actions would you take if the same thing happens all over again, just as in this example, you are taking over the presidency? Well, look, it takes three things, basically, to grow jobs. And I've done it when I was in Washington when we had a balanced budget, had four years of balanced budgets, paid down a half a trillion of, of debt, and our economy was growing like crazy. It's the same thing that I did in Ohio. It's a simple formula. Common sense regulations, which is why I think we should freeze all federal reg regulations for one year except for health and safety. It requires tax cuts because that sends a message to the job creators that things are headed the right way. And if you tax cuts, if you cut taxes for corporations and you cut taxes for individuals, you're going to make things move, particularly the corporate tax, which is the highest, of course, in the, in the world. But in addition to that, we have to have fiscal discipline. We have to show that we can march to a balanced budget. And when you do that, when you're in a position of managing regulations, when you reduce taxes, and when you have fiscal discipline, you see the job creators begin to get very comfortable with the fact that they can invest. Right now, you don't have the you have taxes that are too high. You have regulations. I mean, come on, they're affecting everybody here, particularly our small businesses. They are uh, here, particularly our small businesses. They are uh, they're in a position where they're smothering people. And I mean, are you kidding me? We're nowhere close to a balanced budget or fiscal discipline. Those three things put together are going to get confidence to job creators, and you will begin to see wages rise. You will begin to see jobs created in a robust economy. And how do I know it? Because I've done it. I did it as the chairman of the Budget Committee, working with Senator Domenici, and I've done it in the state of Ohio as the chief executive. Our wages are growing faster than the national average. We're running surpluses, and we can take that message and that formula to Washington to lift every single American to a better life. Okay, folks, and of course, uh, that was Kasich uh, answering uh, the question uh, there. Hopefully the rest of the audience, uh, at least when the moderator asks questions, will, will come out better than that. Uh, but you know what? I tell you what, because of the experience of John Kasich has, and frankly, I'm not a big, you know, big fan of him per se, even though he is from my state, is that, I mean, he does have experience. He has executive experience. Uh, he's definitely uh, succeeded in what he, you know, talks about. Uh, during the debate, he does repeat it a lot because that's the only chance he gets a, a chance to talk about anything uh, on the debates. And so I'm surprised he's not doing as, as well as he, you know, as he is. But I think a part of that is, I mean, you've listened to him. He's just not an exciting candidate. Uh, so, you know, he's just kind of cut and dry. This is how how it is. This is what we have to do. Uh, there's never a lot of uh, passion there. When a primary, I think that's you know, definitely important, maybe even more so in a general election. Uh, but I, I think that's one of the reasons why he's not doing as good. Uh, we got plenty of audio tonight. Uh, certainly, I'm I'm even concerned whether we won't even be able to get through it tonight. But let's go ahead and uh, get our two panelists in, and we'll start with Cindy because we'll give deference to the ladies there. And then we've got Kelly on uh, the line too. So let's go ahead and first open up the mic for Cindy. Thank you very much, Cindy, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Uh, I'm I'm doing great. Can you give me about five minutes before I come on? Oh, sure. That's fine. Uh, I apologize for that. Uh, so let me go ahead and just push the one on your number dial when you're ready to come in, okay? And there we go. So now we've got Kelly. I see Kelly pushed the one on his number uh, dial. It's good to hear from you, Kelly. How are you tonight? 
Hey, um, well, I'm so depressed. I hosted at the homeless shelter, and a guy beat me in chess. Oh, gosh, couldn't believe it. <laughs> anyway, but, um, yeah, uh, so Kasich is giving us the same rhetoric we've heard before. I think Obama said the same rhetoric, the guy before him, the guy before him. Rhetoric, 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 this is what I'm going to do, improve the economy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, come on. You've heard it before. Who's really going to do it? Um, I don't know. It's interesting that Kasich uh, lowered the polls and Rand Paul, but, you know, we can't have Rand Paul in the debate. It's just kind of Yeah, I found that interesting, and, and that's something that we can talk about. I know that a lot of people are upset about that, uh, where Ron Paul was not in the debate, uh, but neither one of them, actually. He wasn't in the uh, this debate, or he wasn't in the lower-tier debate as well, uh, which I found uh yeah, interesting. Yeah, I, I'm just, you know, we can't talk about the Constitution. I mean, you know, the thing that's the supreme law of the land, you know, we just can't, no, we can't have somebody there talking about that. I mean, I'm scratching my head. You know, I tell you what, I even have, I, you know, I even have folks who, you know, are saying, look, if uh, if Rand Paul doesn't get the nomination, they might do what uh, what the Ron Paul voters did in 2012 and just sit it out. Uh, at first I thought maybe, you know, with things going as they are, the writing might already be on the wall with, with, you know, Donald Trump uh, being the, uh, end up being the nominee. And I thought for a while, and, and we'll see in some of the exchanges tonight, why I'm looking to change my mind. Uh, I thought for a while that perhaps if he did, uh, and just as I mentioned last week, uh, the reason why Donald Trump is bringing up the issue of the, uh, birth certificate is that, you know, and I, I believe they're going to, we're going to hear some audio it is because the considering him for the vice presidential pick and, and Trump actually says that uh, during the debate. Uh, and then, you know, we'll see how things develop, but then, you know, as the week passed on, uh, I thought that, and we'll talk more about it as we, as we look to the audio, that you know, perhaps well, yeah, there's, uh, there's some you know they would have made amends with uh, each other, but I'm, I'm starting to see them going farther apart between uh, Cruz and and Trump. So maybe it behooves uh, Trump if he does get the nomination to, and we're going to talk more about him certainly tonight. If he was well, to get the nomination, maybe a Rand Paul would be a, a good uh, uh, pick for VP. Go ahead, Kelly. Well, yeah, there's some interesting developments with the uh, Cruz situation. Um, we got a contact, his name's Thomas, he's in Santa Cruz. He's, he studied the birth of thing way back uh, when Philip Berg, the Democrat, was filing against Obama back in either 11 or 12. But um, there's a congressman, um, Grayson, from Florida, that has come out and said that if uh, Cruz gets it, he's going to be filing suit. And there's some tricky things because... Well, this takes a little more time to explain, but um, call it just a gate where they hid Minor versus Happerset during Obama's uh, questionability, and then they're going to bring it out and use it against the Republicans. That's what it's looking like. Texas, they're working on a lawsuit against Cruz, too. And according to, I talked to a paralegal, I said, do you know about Minor versus Happerset? He says, yeah. Did you study it? He says, yeah. And this guy is brilliant. His name's Mike. And, uh, he said, yeah, uh, Cruz, Rubio, Jindal, and Santorum are not eligible to run. And so that's going to be an interesting um, – and Trump 
holding the birther card, oh my gosh, you either really got to know what you're doing or you're going to look like a fool. So knowing that Trump really researches and, and has got high-power people around him, I'm going to go with he knows what he's doing. But it's going to be a real interesting ride. Um, and Rand Paul, Iowa, at Iowa State, my alma mater, he had a rally. 600 people showed up. That doesn't sound like much, but for Iowa State, that's pretty big. So we might have a surprise there. Yeah, definitely. And actually, in uh, just two audio clips, we'll be having the back and forth about the eligibility uh, between uh, Trump and Cruz. And we'll be you know, listening to that audio in a few minutes. Well, it'll be a little bit because we do have one uh, more before there. Um, and so, but we will get to that and we'll have more discussion uh, for that. But first, let's go ahead and uh, play the next clip that we have. Well, uh, well no, she said he's hit the one on her number dial. So, so perhaps she's uh, ready to chime in. Uh, we'll get her in, and we'll get the next clip. Okay, Cindy, is that better? Is that better timing for you? Yeah, I'm I'm with you now. Um, uh, now Kelly just made the the statement. We were talking about the birthing thing, the birther thing, and Kelly just said that uh, Senator Grayson was um, going to uh, file a lawsuit if uh, Ted Cruz runs. And probably whether he runs as president or vice president, he'll, he'll still do it. Um, well, first of all, you have to understand who Grayson is. He is a liberal Democrat here in Orlando, in the Orlando area. And uh, this is not surprising at all. But there's a couple of different things, a couple of different um, motivations he could have for filing this lawsuit. He could be looking for his own political... Um, you know how Trump gets all this free political advertisement because he's always on TV for one reason or another? Um, Grayson might also be doing that for the same reason. He is uh, looking for some publicity for his campaign, and, um, uh, you know, he'll, he'll do anything to, to get her done. Now, <clears throat> as far as uh, Trump and Cruz is concerned, uh, Trump, and Cruz started to sound a couple weeks, or maybe three weeks before this last uh, debate. They started to sound like they were getting along really well. And um, mm-hmm. people were starting to talk about maybe a Trump Cruz ticket and stuff like that. Right. And I think what happened was Trump, uh, you know, got wind of the Dems uh, and the Texas lawsuit against the birthing thing. And he's like, uh, okay, Ted how are we going to do this? And uh, how are we going to get past this? And um, they may have cooked up a plan to uh, get the issue out early and get it solved. Yeah, I thought that too. And get it solved and resolved before the Democrats ever get a chance to. Um, And so, you know, if you'll recall, he said two things in that debate concerning the birthing thing. He said, first of all, I you got to get this settled once and for all um, because the Democrats are going to sue, and that's bad for the Republican Party. Okay, that's the first thing he said. The second thing he said was, if I wanted to have you as my vice president, I couldn't because I would have this lawsuit hanging over my campaign. Okay, 
So those two things tell me that he and uh, Cruz have this thing kind of, they're, they're working it out together somehow. They, You know, the, the media is making it look like a lot more of a controversy than it really is between them. The, the you know, they keep using this language that denotes, uh, you know, a great deal of consternation between them. You know, there's this tension and there's this um, rivalry thing going on, you know, and then that's why that's why Trump is bringing up the birther issue. But it may not be that way. It may be that they're just as friendly as ever, you know, and the reason this further thing is coming up is to get it out of the way. Um, now, I'm going to talk to you later about what I think about Trump, but but um, I just wanted to say that about that particular uh, issue. And, and I got to brought- say this. I just got to say this one thing about Trump during that debate. He is, he finally, he sounded really polished. He's sounding now like he is a um, much improved uh, politician. In fact, it's kind of mm-hmm. scary now. It's kind of scary now because now he really does sound like a polished politician, like somebody's fooling him. And he's getting the, and when you look at how he, Defended the New York values issue. Yep, we'll have that audio um, as well. That was absolutely genius, and uh, he he did absolutely the exact things that he should do. Yeah, I, I think he won the debate. Oh yeah, definitely hands down. Okay, sorry. That's yeah. So let's go ahead and. Yeah, let's go ahead and play that audio uh, of those exchanges. It was a pretty uh, interesting exchange. Uh, and then I'm, I'm going to make some commentary on some other developments that happened afterwards uh, and where my thinking is now on that. Back to the questions. Uh, I'll start with you, Senator Cruz. Now, you are, of course, a strict constitutionalist, no one would doubt that. And as you know, the U.S. Constitution says only natural-born citizens are eligible for the office of President of the United States. Stop me if you've heard this before. Now, you were, born, you were born in Canada to an American mother, so you were and are considered an American citizen. But that fellow next to you, Donald Trump, and others, has said that being born in Canada means you are not natural born, and that has raised questions about your eligibility. Do you want to try to close this topic once and for all tonight? <laughs> Well, Neil, I'm glad we are focusing on the important topics of the evening. You know, back in September, uh, my friend Donald said that he had had his lawyers look at this from every which way. And there was no issue there. There was nothing to this birther issue. Now, since September, the Constitution hasn't changed. that Donald is dismayed that his poll numbers are falling in Iowa. But the facts and the law here are really quite clear. Under long-standing U.S. law, the child of a U.S. citizen born abroad 
is a natural-born citizen. If a soldier has a child abroad, that child is a natural-born citizen. That's why John McCain, even though he was born in Panama, was eligible to run for president. If an American missionary has a child abroad, that child is a natural-born citizen. That's why George Romney, Mitt's dad, was eligible to run for president even though he was born in Mexico. At the end of the day, the legal issue is quite straightforward, but I would note that the birther theories that Donald has been relying on, some of the more extreme ones insist that you must not only be born on U.S. soil, but have two parents born on U.S. soil. Under that theory, not only would I be disqualified, Marco Rubio would be disqualified, Bobby Jindal would be disqualified, and interestingly enough, Donald J. Trump would be disqualified. in Scotland. She was naturalized. Now, Donald, but on, I the was issue, born here. on the issue no. of citizenship, Donald, Big difference. on the issue of citizenship, Donald, I'm not going to use your mother's birth against you. Okay. Sure. Because it wouldn't work. You're an American, as is everybody else on this stage, and I would suggest we focus on who's best prepared to be commander-in-chief because that's the most important question facing the country. Mr. Trump, let me just tell you something, and you know because you just saw the numbers yourself. NBC Wall Street Journal just came out with a poll. Headline, Trump way up, Cruz going down. I mean, so, don't, so you can't, you can't, I, they don't like the Wall Street Journal, they don't like NBC, but I like the poll. And Franklin, it just came out. And in Iowa now, as you know, Ted, in the last three polls, I'm beating you. So, you know, you shouldn't misrepresent how well you're doing with the polls. You don't have to say that. In fact, I was all for you until you started doing that because that's a misrepresentation. Number one. Number two, this isn't me saying it. I don't care. I think I'm going to win fair and square. I have to win this way. Thank you. Lawrence Tribe and numerous from Harvard, of Harvard, said that there is a serious question as to whether or not Ted can do this, okay? There are other attorneys that feel, and very, very fine constitutional attorneys, that feel that because he was not born on the land, he cannot run for office. Here's the problem. We're running, we're running. He does great. I win. I choose him as my vice presidential candidate, and the Democrats sue because we can't take him along for the ride. I don't like that, okay? The fact is, and if for some reason he beats the rest of the field, he beats the rest of the field, if for some, see, they don't like that. They don't like that. But, no, they don't like that he beats the rest of the field because they want me. But, <laughs> but if for some reason, Neil, he beats the rest of the field, I already know the Democrats are going to be bringing a suit you have a big lawsuit over your head while you're running, and if you become the nominee, who the hell knows if you can even serve in office? So you should go out, get a declaratory judgment, let the courts decide, and you why shouldn't have mentioned the polls because I would have been much so Why now? Why are you raising this issue now? Because now he's doing a little bit better. No, I didn't care before. It's true. No, it's true. Hey, look, he never had a chance. Now he's doing better. He's got probably a 4 or 5% chance. I was uh, Neil. The, the fact is, there's a big 
overhang. There's a big question mark on your head. And you can't do that to the party. You really can't. You can't do that to the party. You have to have certainty. Even if it was a 1% chance, and it's far greater than 1%, because he wasn't born. I mean, you have great constitutional lawyers that say you can't run. If there was a, and, and you know, I'm not bringing a suit, I promise. But the Democrats are going to bring a lawsuit. And you can't, you have to have certainty. You can't have a question. I can agree with you or not, but you can't have a question over your head. Well, listen, I've spent my entire life defending the Constitution before the U.S. Supreme Court, and I'll tell you, I'm not going to be taking legal advice from Donald Trump. You don't Trump. have to. Take it from Donald Trump. Well, I'll tell you all. Take it from your professor. What I will take it from your own professor. Right. The chances of any litigation proceeding and succeeding on this are zero. Wrong. Now, Mr. Trump Wrong. is very focused on Larry Tribe. Let me tell you who Larry Tribe is. He's a left-wing judicial activist Harvard Law professor who was Al Gore's lawyer in Bush versus Gore. He's a major Hillary Clinton supporter, and there's a reason why Hillary's supporters are echoing Donald's attacks on me. He because is not Hillary the only one. Wants he is not Donald the only one. In there are many election. lawyers. And I'll tell you what, Donald, you, you very kindly just a moment ago offered me the VP slot. I'll tell you what, if this all works out, I'm happy to consider uh, naming you as VP. And so if you happen to be right, you could get the top job at no, the end of the day. No, I, I think if it doesn't... No, no, no. I like that. I like it. I consider it. But I think I'll go back to building buildings if it doesn't work out. Actually, I, well, I, have I, have a feeling, I have a feeling it's going to work out, actually. Uh, okay. I was Neil, I can tell you this. Let me, let me Neil, because I, I was invoked in that question, so let me just say in that answer. Let me say, the real question here, I, I hate to interrupt this episode of Court TV, but the real... Okay, folks, and that's uh, the exchange between Cruz and Trump. And as I said, and, and I agree with you, and, and, you know, for a while there, Cindy, where I thought, you know, those two, you know, were working together, uh, you know, behind the scenes, perhaps. I think that perhaps this was a way for Trump to, you know, as you said, you get this out so that by the time uh, we do get to the point of having a nominee and him picking a, a vice presidential uh, running mate, that this would be, you know, a moot point because it would already have been settled, you know, by then. Uh, and, and actually, and, you know, we'll talk more about the what we mentioned earlier about the New York. Uh, we'll talk more about that. However, is, uh, some of the barbs that they've been throwing after that, uh, like one of the things that Trump said is about uh, Ted Cruz, if you guys heard us, he said he's just a nasty man. Um, you know, I think it was, it was yeah. in an interview uh, he did where, where Ted Cruz said, I mean, he said that about Ted Cruz. So I'm like, uh, maybe uh, they're not going to get back together. Maybe uh, they'll be looking elsewhere if he becomes the uh, nominee. But, uh, you know, what, what say you? I, I mean, I thought that that's exactly what Trump was doing, was getting trying to get that out of there. And I was, I was saying this to people before he even said it on the debate. Uh, but, you know, well, what do I you suppose, think I about now? Trump, you know, yeah, well, I suppose Trump, you know, really was trying to get it out there and get it settled. Um, but first of all, let me just say this. Cruz opened with that question, his answer to that question, with, uh, I'm glad we're starting right out with the important issues. And um, mm -hmm. I got 
news for him. After what we've just been through with Barack Obama, this is a important issue. This is a mm-hmm. really important issue for America. If we don't get this right, we could end up having anybody as our president. We are already right. looking at different states with local governments who are allowing voters to come in there and vote illegal. Illegals are voting. People with just green cards are voting. This is against our right. Constitution. And, and if we don't get back to our Constitution and this issue, we're going to have big trouble. The, the founders gave us these rules because allegiances were so important to the survival of a nation. They had just been through the Revolutionary War where they fought their own people who were loyalists to the British crown. And uh, if we have allegiances over the other side of the ocean uh, in our governing positions, you are going to have things like Sharia law, communism, all kinds of crap is going to come into our uh, our governmental system, and our constitution is toast. Of course, it may be toast now after what Obama has done to it. Um, but now, uh, I don't know this uh, exactly what the um, what the timing was on Donald Trump's mother becoming naturalized, but I. Th- thought she got naturalized before he was born. Now, I'm not going to swear to that because uh, it's been a while since I read that article and I don't remember what they were saying about that. But anyway, um, the audience seemed to be very pro-Cruz tonight, very pro-establishment candidate tonight, uh, less support for Donald Trump, got a few boos. And uh, I think what the uh, GOP did here was really stack this audience with um, uh, their people, with people who were loyal to the party. I guarantee it was stacked with super voters and committee men and all that kind of people. Um, So (laughs) um, I I doubt the, the regular Joe Blow was in that room. Uh, you know, really there to support the candidate in in a in a, a ratio of a percentage of their poll results. Anyway, I, I'd like to hear what Kelly has to say about that too. Go ahead, Kelly. Well, yeah. Well, uh, Cruz certainly uh, got his point through and got the affirmation from the laughter. I mean, I was. Stunned by Cruz as, as his ability uh, to humor folks. I mean, he was just uh, squashing Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I like a lot of things about Cruz. You know, particularly his his amicus curiae in uh, states' rights in uh, Bond versus United States 2011 case. Very good. I mean, you know me, I'm states' rights guy. And so Cruz has got so much good stuff, and the way he handled that was absolutely stunning. However, you know, um, you, Cindy, I, I like how you mentioned um, Trump is getting to be a lot more polished, a lot more um, 
like a politician. And when he said, um, "Well, we, you just got we've got to get this resolved," you know, we really got to get this resolved. And 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 then he said, "But also think about the party, how this could really impact the party." Um, that's why Philip Berg was going after Obama while he liked Hillary. Philip Berg was a Democrat. The first birther suit was was Philip Berg from Philadelphia. Because, you know, the implications are obvious is that if um, it's proven that Obama was not eligible by our Republicans, it would make the Democrats look bad for decades. And so Donald called it, you know, we got to in-house deal with this problem. Think about the Republican Party. And uh, and then they had that last banner at the end that was kind of cute. Thanks for kind of hinting that you want me to be the vice president, uh, Mr. Trump. You know, <laughs> it was <laughs> Their badger was cute. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think he would make a great vice president. Um, uh, and uh, you know, Donald's not going to be vice president. If he doesn't get the presidential nomination, he's just going to fade away. No, he he'll be done. I, you know, he'll be out. I, I don't. Well, I doubt very seriously he'll run on a third party ticket because uh, yeah, he's already like, promised. He's already pledged that he won't. Yeah. No, that's, that's well, a shame, well you know, you know, there's another element to this vice presidential thing. Mm-hmm. Is well, there is a chain of command. It goes from the president to the vice president to the uh, speaker of the house, then the president of the senate. It goes all the way even down to the postmaster general, believe it or not. But in order to serve as president, the Constitution says you have to be natural born and of age 35. So he, if if it's discovered that Cruz is not eligible to run for president. He's not eligible to be the vice president because, I mean, it, it just say Donald Trump, Donald Trump, did I say that? Donald Trump? Gets, <laughs> um, <laughs> he he gets elected, and I, and I like Trump, but um, if, if Trump gets elected, appoints um, Cruz as the VP, gets killed or heart attack or what have you, You've got to have somebody in the vice presidential position that's natural born. Sure. So right. you know, the way he called it was really good. I think he's just got to, it's got to get resolved. That was a nice, polite way to bring it out and bring it on the table. Um, yeah. Well, I, I, I'm gonna, go ahead. I'm going to wait until Robert plays the right video, uh, the right clip. But uh, there's some deep concerns I have with um, with Trump, uh, and you know, I, I, as I go as I got through this primary, you know, the, the pre-primary, I, I looked at all these candidates and I kept thinking, oh wow, we've got a lot going on here, man. This is going to be great. All these candidates are so conservative and all the blah blah blah. Then I go and read about their records, read their speeches look at the videos of them talking to people and interviews and stuff like that and it is not so cut and dry I no longer feel like I can absolutely 100% trust any of them well I felt that from the beginning too that's that yeah I felt like that from the beginning I was never excited about hardly any of these and that's why you know I remember 2012 you know uh, both good and ill. We had people uh, calling in who supported New Gingrich, and of course, folks who would call into the show and, and not say support. And, and I really haven't had uh, much to say and throw my support behind any one candidate. And I, but before I continue, 
you know, during during that clip, I know they were both talking about polls, and the polls I've got here from RealClearPolitics.com is nationally we have uh, Trump in first place at 34.8 percent, uh, with Cruz at 18.8, and then Rubio at 11.6, followed by Carson at 8.8 and Bush at 4.8. Now in Iowa, right now we've got here in Iowa, Trump is up in Iowa at 28.8%. Now, Cruz is in a close second, and that might be why we're seeing the attacks here in Iowa. Uh, you know, I mean, coming up because of Iowa, his is close second at 266 And then we have Rubio at 11. Carson still in it at eight at 8.6. And something just happened to my my. my <laughs> my polls online. Uh, let's see here. I have no idea what just happened there. Uh, hold on a second. And that's in Iowa. Now here's the thing. And then if, there we go. There we go. They're back. And then Trump is at 32.2 percent in New Hampshire. I, you know, and I've been saying for weeks. You guys probably uh, seen that too. That I think Trump's going to take New Hampshire. But here's something interesting, folks. Is Kasich is in second place, okay, in New Hampshire at 12.3%. So he's beating Cruz. No, not by much. Uh, Cruz, I mean, it was like a tie for second place with Cruz at 11.5 and Rubio at 10.8. And then Bush, who is uh, at 8.3. Uh, now, in Iowa, Christie is in fifth place uh, with 4.2. No, you got you got a more liberal state there in, in New Hampshire than Iowa. Oh, so yeah, gonna certainly. Be the liberal, you know, the GOP elite guys, those are the ones they're going to be voting for, the ones that they can't trust to be a social conservative because <laughs> they don't want them to be social conservatives. Right. And then, I know now there's been a lot of talk about whether, you know, Trump is a, a you know, social conservative. I mean, frankly, I never thought that he was. I knew he was actually being made fun of. Earlier this week, you probably heard about it, uh, where he was saying two Corinthians. He was uh, talking to a bunch of uh, evangelicals, and oh, instead of saying Second Corinthians, and I, I even know better than that, uh, he was saying two Corinthians. He got a lot of slack and laughter from that. But here's the thing, folks. <laughs> Let's be honest. Donald Trump is not, never was, and never will be a social conservative. He just isn't. Um, I, I don't think so. I mean, he could, I mean, I think he made a comment which we all know is false, but, you know, this is Donald Trump for you, is, uh, you know, trying to say that he would be better for evangelicals and Ted Cruz. I don't think that's the case. <laughs> Personally, I don't. Well, um, hey, hey, uh, but, Robert. you know, for me at least, in 2012, I, I'm not looking to, you know, elect, a, you know, a pope, you know, or a pastor. I'm looking to vote for president, but I don't know. I've got mixed thoughts on that, especially with the abortion issue. We'll, we'll talk later. Go ahead, Kelly, and then we'll bring it back over to you, Cindy. Well, uh, you know, you you said uh, Second Corinthians and Evangelical. Are you going to turn us into Bard's Logic Gospel Hour again? Oh you no, no, we won't. We won't go there as of yet. <laughs> yeah, I just I just had to tease you. <laughs> no problem. Go ahead, uh, said you're one you're one to, to chime in on that. Well, let me just get this out of the way because. Uh, it's got to be said, I am on this show, me and Kelly, basically, 
we're the voices of the Christian conservatives, okay? And um, uh, hang on a minute. i got to get my computer shut up. Okay, um, so let me just tell you from my point of view, from a Christian worldview, uh, how we're thinking about this Donald Trump issue right now. Um, Prayer and Bible were always in our public schools. And and there was a time before public schools where everything was locally, uh, local education. There was no, you know, federal education. And uh, there was was a time when when they were introducing the uh, national education, you know, across the board, public education, that the teachers' unions came out and said, look, if if the result of public education is that uh, they take prayer and Bible and the Lord out of our schools, that would be a bad thing. And so they said, we really don't think it's the best thing to do. Um, back then, teachers' unions were Christian people mostly, by and large. So... Uh, Here we come to 1962, and with the first uh, Supreme Court decision, they did away with prayer. Second one, they did did in 63, they did away with Bible. So what they basically did was they removed from public schools any uh, vestiges of God. Okay, and and this is the first time in the history of our nation, in the history of our Supreme Court, that there were no past precedents involved in the ruling, okay? Nothing was said about previous precedents, previous rulings by the Supreme Court, which had, by the way, always defended Christianity in schools and prayer and Bible in schools, okay? Four years after that, that 62, 63-ish time, began the sexual revolution, and and, all, and and since then, you have a tremendous suicide rate going way up, divorce rate, which was declining as of as of sixty three, all of a sudden started shooting up, one hundred and seventeen percent every year went up. Teen pregnancy up every year it was stable before. Premarital sex up three hundred and sixty five percent for age sixteen. 271% for age 17, and then 1,000% up age 15 kids. Um, in, by 1984, though, there, there was such an upheaval in the Christian community that churches began, uh, you know, where there was like about 1,000 private church schools throughout the nation pre-1984, by ni- or pre-1962 and 63, by 1984, there were 32,000 private schools in America. And so you can actually see, if you look on a graph, that if you look 15 years before these rulings, if you look 15 years after these rulings, <clears throat> the, the statistics were if anything, going down on all these negative uh, uh, 
issues. And they would they would fluctuate up and down a little bit, but basically they stayed really low. Then you see this skyrocketing after 1963 of violent crime of 794%. You, you see divorce, teen pregnancy, voluntary abortion are number one in our country right now. Violent crime is number one in the world, number one in divorce in the world, number one in teen pregnancy in the world, illegal drug use, number one, illiteracy, number one in the Western world in in industrialized nations, okay? This has happened since that time. Now, there was a period of time in in the education, education SAT scores, plummeted after 1963, down, 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 down. When these schools, these Christian schools began to come around, we had by by 1984, 12% of our school children were in a private school somewhere. Now, those 12% of school children made up 39% of the top half percent of students in the nation, okay? Three times larger than our percentage, Christian kids were were doing better on the the, the, uh, SAT. We were getting 80 to 100 points higher than public schools. And and that was spending 50% less money for students. So there's got to be a correlation here that people are ignoring. And I'm afraid that in order to get this nation back under control, you have to remember what Thomas Jefferson said, that the Christian religion was the best friend to government. And why did he say that? Because Christ taught that the heart was where you control behavior from Jefferson said philosophy only deals with actions. You don't, but the the Bible teaches us, sorry about this, but the Bible teaches us don't hate, then you won't murder. That comes out of your heart. You stop the hate in your heart, murder's not going to occur. It says don't lust, so you won't commit adultery. You stop it in the heart. And then it doesn't become the behavior, okay? And and you remember, I've said this before. I've given this quote before. John, uh, John Adams said <clears throat> that we uh, we have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morality and religion. Our Constitution was written only for a moral and religious people. Our government system only works for people with internal restraints. Now, as you know, <laughs> we're not even attempting external restraints these days. You got your police all hand tied. You got the National Guard hand tied. FBI, CIA, even the sheriffs are acting like their hands are tied because of political correctness. These people aren't allowed to to um, to uh, work. They're not allowed to prosecute people. They're not allowed to arrest people. 
um, they're being violently opposed. Um, the police don't know what to do. So I'm afraid that if well, and, and, we don't and, get back to somebody. now, let me just say let me just say the last final point. What I'm afraid of is that someone like Trump will come in, and the moral condition of our nation will not change. Okay, which means that none of this other stuff is going to change either. As hard as he may try, as smart as he may be, I don't believe we can bring this nation back without bringing its morality back because the Constitution only works for moral people. Can I comment there, Robert? Sure, go ahead, Kelly. Yeah, because well, we have uh, turned into the Bard's Logic Bible Hour. Go ahead. I'm just teasing, Cindy. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Kelly. Well, um, yeah, I mean, yes, I am a Christian, but I have a different perspective in the sense that... Um, no other pagan, you know, remember, would allow this, so go ahead. No, go ahead. Yes, okay. <laughs> Robert, our, our guest panelist, pagan. Um, <laughs> well, I... Okay. Um, by the way, I should start with a joke. Why do Baptists not believe in premarital sex? Um, because it leads to dancing. Okay. Um, anyway... <laughs> Oh, you're too much. <laughs> okay. Well, I believe that it's up to the locale. Um, the federal government to get out of education and all sorts of social issues, period. The federal government should be doing that. Turn it over to the states. The states should be letting the locales decide what they want, meaning counties and cities. Okay? Uh-huh. If one city wants to allow an abortion clinic and an, a nearby city does not, well, I, I think and this is like the theory, but it's under, well, you can call it the Goshen theory, which, you know, study Exodus. But it's up to the locale to decide. And because once you once, once you open the door, and I've said this many times, once you open the door for the federal government to get involved in social issues, including education, you've just given the federal government a blank check to grow to infinity because there are a bazillion social issues and, and, and choices we make. So up to the states, which would turn it over to the locales. Now, that's what happened in the beginning of our country. In the beginning of our country, yes, the Constitution, but it went from homeschooling to churches. Churches were schooling um, the public. Um, this is David Barton and other sources. So basically, the schools were educating the children. Of course, they were teaching the Bible in their church schools. And then it went to townships. And the townships, you know, basically 36 sections in a township. So then you have... Um, the township getting together and deciding in their locale whether they're going to have the Bible or not, and their federal government and state supported that. And then they started saying, well, let's have the counties decide the education. Well, you know, some counties would say, yeah, let's keep teaching the Bible. And then it went to from counties to state and from state to federal control. It's very frustrating, but that would be the only way I would support um, because the biggest moral High ground is liberty in the sense of um, let each locale decide what they want to do, let each state decide what they want to do. That the higher morality of, of liberty trumps all these social issues. Um, if you want to outlaw abortion nationwide, you have to have a constitutional amendment. I mean, I'm obviously not not uh, pro-abortion, but um, liberty is the highest morality. Um, and so we did go from, as Jefferson warned, um, John Adams said, there's no 
law that will bridle the passion of the of the human heart. And they knew that, you know, it's advantageous to teach children from the Bible. Um, they knew that to sustain a good republic. But this transformation, if you will, from church to township, well, you know, church to section to township to county to state to federal was not what they intended, but some progressives wanted to take it over because they want control, they want power, they want to teach kids their moral systems, including socialism. So we've had, you know, from the founders' intent to where we are now, we are we are way off. Um, and I and I believe that my my position would 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 fall in line with with what the founders intended. Um, I I don't like, I mean, okay, so let's say that that uh, the Republicans take over um, Congress and they start instituting God's law. Well, what happens the next election when? Say another party takes over. Are they going to introduce Satan's law? I mean, it, 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 you can't have this kind of power in the hands of the federal government. It only lends to tyranny. Um, we, we've had this discussion before, so you know, Cindy, I do somewhat disagree well, let with me, you. But well, let me just repeat then what I said before when we talked about it. <laughs> um. Uh, Abortion, I, I don't believe abortion is a social issue. I think it's just more murder. And and you're right, it's probably going to take a constitutional amendment in order to uh, define it as such. Uh, there is a human life amendment out there right now that um, they're trying to get, you know, sponsors for and um, support for uh, that they're trying to pass. And that's exactly what we need because... When you declare that human life starts at conception, then from then on, it's a protected human being just like uh, you and I are. No one's allowed to come into our house and murder us. And yet someone is allowed to go into the womb of a woman and murder a baby. Um, and, and I believe this is just nothing but murder. It's not even, I, I don't call it a social issue. I think homosexuality is a uh, that's a social issue. Bullying, learning how to, you know, keeping kids from bullying is a social issue. Uh, criminal sentencing, that's a, that's a social issue. Uh, now, you, you mentioned Satanism. I don't think any religion that kills animals or human beings in their right uh, is, it could be considered a, a legitimate religion that you would uh, allow. Oh. I mean, you, you can't have <laughs> the practice of um, you know, uh, I mean, th- all over the world, people are still killing animals for sacrifice. If you want to go there, fine, but you don't steal someone else's animal. That's criminal behavior, okay? Um, animal rights activists uh, are surprisingly silent in this area um, because there is torture involved in animal uh, sacrifice, and... Um, Although it's very difficult to prove, and they keep it really quiet when they can prove it, uh, satanic human sacrifice has happened. And I think the only reason it's, um, uh, it's not any more than it is is because uh, it is illegal, okay? Um, there are, you know, religions that should not be allowed to do some of the things that they do. Um, if I'm doing something in my Christian religion that is killing someone, 
So, uh, for instance, when the Catholic Church, uh, well, the Spanish, um, during the Spanish Inquisition, when the Orthodox Church was uh, torturing, killing Jews, Muslims, anybody who, uh, uh, Protestants, anybody who didn't agree with them, um, well, there weren't really Protestants at that point, but anybody who wasn't on the bandwagon with their brand of Christianity, um, you you were either excommunicated from the church, the country, you were thrown out of the country, or you were put in jail, or you were killed. And uh, that is not Christianity. It just isn't. That is not uh, anything what the Lord has said to do. So um, to, to say that you can just have any religion here that may put people in danger, um, no, I, I can't agree with that. I can't agree with that at all. That's the reason I I have a big problem with Sharia law coming in here because it absolutely contradicts our Constitution and uh, uh, the moral law of Christ. And we won't go into that because that's another subject altogether. But that's that's how I feel about abortion. It's it's murder. It's not a social issue. Yeah, we're getting a little off uh, topic, but that's okay. That's kind of the organic nature here of the show. Let me throw out a quick thought, okay? Christine. Sure. Um, Goshen theory. Goshen theory is where, you know, at the time of the Exodus when Moses came and, and uh, you know, let many people go thing, they eventually went for a long walk in the desert and became a nation of millions. But when the plagues came down, the Egyptians were suffering, you know, the many multiple plagues of frogs and grasshoppers and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Goshen was protected. When you apply the Goshen theory to allowing cities and counties to make their own decisions based on a community, the Goshen theory would apply and God would essentially bless one group that wasn't uh, pro-choice and who knows what would happen to those pro-life. But the... Um, because a woman's body is, is sacred to some degree, I would say that the the best law to pass, if you're going to pass a pro-life law, is that doctors can't perform an abortion. In other words, someone else assisting a woman killing her baby. Um, well, first of all, why is a woman's body any more sacred than a man's? Yeah, we're we're going we're going to have to do this another day. The woman, yeah. the woman and the baby are one. When she kills her, when she has an abortion, she's killing a part of herself, and it's a horrifying intrinsic penalty upon a woman when she hurts her baby. She's hurting herself because the mother and the baby are one. Um, it's a terrible thing that any woman would ever have to suffer. Um, well, in a in a way, I agree with that. Um, because that's true. Uh, she is killing a part of herself when, when she kills a baby. Um, but it's also, uh, they are also two separate people, too. They are individuals with their own set of fingerprints. They Each of them has their own heartbeat, their own nervous system, their own uh, 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 individual traits that come from both sides of the family. Um each person is very individual um, while being connected together by an umbilical cord. Uh, that's true. 
but each is uh, an individual in God's eyes. So, in a way, that's... And, and the reason, you know, Robert, that we're bringing this up is because Donald Trump has changed, so-called, has changed his views on social issues in order to fit in with the, the Republican platform, which I don't know why he bothers because the Republicans themselves kind of don't stand on their platform anymore. But it, this is a grave concern for people like me um, who believe that this nation was blessed from the start by God because of its Christian founders, because of their beliefs and because of their values. Um, and in fact, I think God even gave this country to them uh, as a gift. Now, if if we don't go back to that, you know, Trump won't take us back to that. So, and if we don't go back to that, will it do us good to have a Trump? Okay, I'm hearing some background noise somewhere. I don't know what's going on, but just to let you know, the mics are on. We're getting some background noise. Go ahead, Cindy. Well, I'm I'm done. Let's let's hear the next. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, we're, yeah, we're going to fast forward a little bit, and uh, this will be something we'll uh, uh, talk about is we'll, uh, just a one-minute clip about getting behind the uh, eventual nominee, uh, whoever that uh, ends up being. Neil, my name was mentioned as well. Here's the deal. Prince is totally right. He's been a good governor, uh, and he's a heck of a lot better than his predecessor that would have bankrupted New Jersey. Everybody on the stage is better than Hillary Clinton. And I think the focus ought to be on making sure that we leave this nomination process as wild and woolly as it's going to be. This is not beanbag. These attack ads are going to be part of life. Everybody just needs to get used to it. Everybody's record is going to be scrutinized. And at the end of the day, we need to unite behind the winner so that we can defeat Hillary Clinton because she is a disaster. Our country can rise up again. But we need to have a compelling conservative agenda that we present to the American people in a way that doesn't disparage people, that unites us around our common purpose. And so everybody needs to discount some of the things you're going to hear in these ads and discount the, the back and forth here, because every person here is better than Hillary Clinton. Uh, Neil, I was mentioned to... <laughs> what? Yeah, I said everybody. Oh. Um... <laughs> <laughs> And, and I just want to take this opportunity to say, you know, in the 2012 election, you know, we, and when I say we, Republicans tore themselves apart. You know, we have to stop this because, you know, if we manage to damage ourselves and we lose the next election and a progressive gets in there and they get two or three Supreme Court picks, this nation is over as we know it. And we got to look at the big picture here. And so it makes me wonder whether uh, Netanyahu was Bush in the beginning. Uh, it makes me wonder if Bush is going to, uh, what, you know, if not if Trump were to get the nomination, if Bush would stand behind uh, that stance. Okay, that was kind of redundant. But if he, if he would actually uh, back and support, or heck, even campaign for, I doubt if he'd do that, uh, Donald Trump. Uh, and then also, I think, uh, as we hear, of course, us three on the, uh, on the line right now, certainly know 
that what will happen in 2012, and they, they certainly did rip themselves apart, the Republicans did. Uh, I, I blame that on Rince Priebus and uh, the RNC and what they did during the convention. I mean, they really did. And will that happen again? I, one of the things I'm kind of posing since they brought it up is I wonder if there's two things out there now. Now uh, I've seen an article where it was said that the establishment is starting to uh, – you know, cozy up to to book. I mean, to to Trump. Uh, like one of the things where Nikki Haley, uh, after the State of the Union and her uh, comments, was kind of referring to and sliding Donald Trump. Uh, but then, through my understanding, some people from the uh, GOP establishment, the leadership actually had her apologize to Donald Trump. And, and we'll backtrack a little bit, maybe play that exchange. Um, and so, I'll tell you, you know, why. we'll hear that. Uh, well, I'm sorry. I'll tell you why they, they did that. Because as long as Donald Trump looks like the maverick, he's got all these conservative votes and even independent votes. And either crossover and then blue dog Democrats are going to come back. Okay. But if, if he starts looking like um, he's part of the establishment, you know, if they close it up to him and he starts looking establishment, He's lost a lot of votes. Yeah. No, I agree. So that's kind of my part, you know, my point is when I put the subject to consider is, is the GOP establishment now, you know, supposedly getting behind Trump or is it just a ploy to get him voted out of the race by those who are tired of them, those who are tired of the establishment? So what if they're going to make it look like that they're actually for Trump when we, we know that the establishment is not? And so that people are like, oh, wait a minute. Okay, well, if he's going to be the establishment's boy, then maybe we need to turn our eye to somebody else. Well, when he said, well, whoever gets the nomination, we have to get that, get behind him. What he's really thinking in his heart is, yeah, get behind him as long as that person is party establishment. Okay. Mm-hmm. They it, they tried the they tried the um, the brokered convention thing, and boy, that fizzled real quick because man, the people, uh, the grassroots, just rose up on its hind legs and hammered the GOP for that for talking about a brokered convention. Okay, so now they got to try. You about not having one because we won it. We won it one in 2012. Yeah, but this year, now that Trump is in the lead, mm-hmm. now they're want. Now they want the 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 broker convention so that Trump could possibly get, right. get, um, get stopped. They think uh-huh. they can stop him with all their super delegates and their their delegates who come there and have to sign a document saying they're going to vote for whoever the GOP tells them to vote for. Right. So, so maybe this is a new, a new uh, strategy. Cozy up to him, make him look establishment. Boy, if I was Trump, I'd run it. Far in the other direction of the establishment is like. Oh good. yeah, certainly. No, definitely. Here's that. Here's that exchange uh, uh, with that. It's just, it's just it's not even quite a two-minute clip. South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, in her response to the State of the Union address. saying Republicans should resist, quote, the siren call of the angriest voices. 
confirmed, she was referring to you, among others. Was she out of line? And how would a President Trump unite the party? Okay. First of all, Nikki this afternoon said I'm a friend of hers, actually a close friend. And I, wherever you are sitting, Nikki, I am a friend. We're friends. That's good. But she did say, she did say there was anger. And I could say, oh, I'm not angry. I'm very angry because our country is being run horribly. And I will gladly accept the mantle of anger. Our military is a disaster. Our health care is a horror show. Obamacare, we're going to repeal it and replace it. We have no borders. Our vets are being treated horribly. Illegal immigration is beyond belief. Our country is being run by incompetent people. And yes, I am angry. And I won't be angry when we fix it. But until we fix it, I'm very, very angry. And I say that to Nikki. So when Nikki said that, I wasn't offended. She said the truth. One of the commentators, one of your colleagues interviewed me and said, well, she said you were angry. And I said to myself, huh, she's right. I'm not fighting that. I didn't find it offensive. I'm angry because our country is a mess. Look, Wow. I, think he repl- I think he responded to that great. Don't you think? What do you think, Kelly? Wow. Excellent way to the, – the, the audience response was stunning. I mean, I love that Trump can say what he thinks, you know. Um, our primary in California is until June, so who knows what candidates will be put before me or if I'll go third party. But it's really – he just nails it over and over and over. He just keeps nailing it. And I think that's what we need. Um, I know Cindy's really concerned about abortion. There's not much a president can do but defund it, sign a bill to not fund Planned Parenthood. That would be nice. Um, well, yeah, uh, not even with the Republican Congress, they didn't even do that. I know they were. Well, I, it was unbelievable. That was a compromise so that oh, Republicans don't want to be blamed for shutting down the government. You chickens. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, it's just frustrating. And I, I, I would love to know that specific question, because practically in the next eight years, unless there's an Article 5 convention, we're not going to have any headway against abortion other than the funding issue. So that's all the president can do. I want to know from Trump if he would defund Planned Parenthood. Just, that's, that's about the best that can happen practically in the next eight years. So, And by the way, the countdown has begun. 365 days from now, Obubu will no longer be uh, the president. Now let's just hope it's not Hillary Robert. Clinton. <laughs> yeah. Well, Robert, play play that clip right now that I that I asked you to get ready for me because that deals with this very issue. And after he plays that, I'll make my point. Okay. Let me get the. Yeah. Let me get to that. I gotta remember what I when I named it, the, the clips I have here are in alphabetical um, order. So let me <laughs> bear with me about, while I look for that. Something about Trump's sister? Did you put Trump's sister there or something? Let's see. Yeah, I know there's something on... Um, well, let me just tell you what it says then. I'll just tell you what it says. If you find it later, oh, no, I mean, I've, got, I've got, yeah, I've got the audio. I know there was also a, it's a Rush uh, Limbaugh thing. 
It's a Rush Limbaugh. Thing. Oh, there we go. Okay, but well, yeah, okay. I was looking under Trump. It'll, it'll probably be under Rush. Um, so, yeah. but while I'm while looking for that, let's go ahead and hear from the Patriot Journalist Network. You're not just listening to a show. You're part of the powerful voice of the conservative conversation on Blog Talk Radio. Nothing worthwhile has ever been accomplished without teamwork. PJNet invites you to help make a difference by adding your voice to the team grassroots conservatives working together to take our country back. To find out more, check out the PJNet hashtag and visit our website at PatriotJournalist.com. Let PJNet add our muscle to your hustle. And definitely, folks, check out the Patriot Journalist Network by going to that website at www.patriotjournalist.com, as well as visiting the Bard's Logic uh, website at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Check it out and send a tweet if you're a Twitter user. Uh, You can also uh, get to the Facebook page uh, from the homepage of the uh, website, and uh, also check out the other uh, great pages we have on there. And, yeah, I did find the audio. Normally, as you know, I really don't like to – to have anything with Rush Limbaugh on here. I'm not a fan of it any longer. But since you requested it, Cindy, I, of course, uh, went ahead and did that for you. So let's go ahead and hear on what you were uh, talked about earlier, and then we'll get some more comments on it. I have my brain tied behind my back just to make it fair. This is BJ, Westchester County in New York. Welcome, BJ. Have, uh, happy to have you here. Welcome. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Rush. Uh, my question basically is, uh, I noticed that uh, our friend uh, Donald Trump is very um, much of an egotist, similar to the present dictator-in-chief. And uh, my, my concern uh, as a Republican, but more as a pro-life conservative, is that he's going to act in a very similar way to the man who's in office now. And that's the last thing we need. And uh, I'm, I'm very concerned, especially as a pro-lifer, since he said he would be very happy to put his uh, sister, who's a pro-abortion uh, judge, as a Supreme Court person. What's your thought? Yeah, his sister Marianne is a uh, judge. I met her once at a uh, at a Trump event. Well, it wasn't a Trump event. It was a Marine Corps law enforcement. Of course, it was a, at a, at a Atlantic City uh, casino ballroom. Marine Corps Law Enforcement Foundation, I met his sister there. She never struck me as a dictator, nor Trump had. But, you know, you raise an interesting point, nevertheless, BJ. And this is a clear example here of why I only use half my brain, folks. One of the risks that the Obama presidency presents is its aftermath. Obama has blown through the Constitution like a tornado and has, in the process, set precedents. And there have been people seeking office who have said that they are going to fix the things Obama has broken themselves using the singular powers that Obama has appropriated for himself. In other words, Obama's wanton overstepping the Constitution has created precedent where future presidents, if they're inclined, might feel that they could or should do so as well. Uh, I know Trump. I mean, I'm not intimate friends, but I know him well enough. He's, he's, just, he's a get-things-done kind of guy, not a dictator. We have a dictator now. 
And that's the audio. Uh, Cindy, go ahead. Cindy, do we still have you there? I'm talking away with my phone being muted. <laughs> all right. <laughs> he, he, he said, uh, first of all, let me comment real quick on the aftermath statement that, um, you know, these guys are all talking about how with a stroke of their pen they're going to undo everything that Obama did. Some things they can do that with, some things they cannot. Um, And I worried about that with uh, the the repeal of Obamacare for a while. People were talking about some kind of a presidential stroke of the pen. But now they know he will no longer have to do that. Uh, He will not have to uh, uh, repeal Obamacare by... uh, stroke of the pen except to sign the already voted on document to repeal it that was finally passed in the House uh, in Congress, both sides. So now they can take that document, which Obama's going to, you know, he's going to veto it if he hasn't already. Now they can take that document and send it on up to a Trump or whoever's there and uh, they can sign that uh, into law and get get rid of that. But basically the reason I wanted you to play this was because of the comment that this caller made that back in um, – not sure, was it 2011, right before he ran the first time? I don't know. Anyway, Trump actually said that his sister would be a great – Supreme Court appointee. His sister is so violently pro-choice. She, you could have, you'd have to call her pro-death because she actually defends partial birth abortion. And you guys can look that up on the internet. There's a lot of pr- proof of that on the internet. Her, her, um, her quotes are everywhere. Um, but basically, uh, Reagan's the one that. Um, he, he appointed her as a district judge in, in 83, and then uh, Clinton appointed her to the uh, U.S. Uh, Court of Appeals, Third Circuit, in 1999. So uh, she's been pushed ahead by both parties. <clears throat> but because of her uh, ugh, pro-death stand, if Trump was to put her on the Supreme Court we would never get the the, the human life amendment the the human life uh, amendment passed. We would never be able to pass that uh, human life become, begins at, uh, at conception, and that they are now a protected human being uh, under our constitution. So that disturbs me a lot about the possibilities of Donald Trump being in the White House. What do you think about that, Kelly? Kelly, are you muted? I think we all do that here <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe he stepped away for a moment anyway. Um, but do you see why that would be a, a big problem? I, I, but, you know, the thing about it is, I think if he's actually the president, I couldn't imagine, it would take a lot of, Waivos to actually appoint your own sister as a Supreme Court uh, justice. 
Oh, yeah. I don't, and I don't think it's happening. I, I mean, just like when, you know, I think people are taking a lot of things out of context. I think, uh, remember, didn't he say, and someone was talking about, and I, this was on Facebook, that he said that he thought uh, Sherrod Brown or something like that would make a good um, a, a good VP pick. He was over, he was uh, doing a, you know, an event, and, I, and, and Sherrod Brown was, um, was hosting it. And he mentioned that, you know, just said, oh, he'd be, I think he'd be a, a great, uh, you know, VP pick. They're like, oh, my gosh, see, look at it. Look at it. It's like, come on, folks, think about it. I mean, he's just saying some good things about someone who is hosting an event that Trump is at. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, he's just saying that. And people get all up in arms uh, just yeah. when, you know, he makes a passing comment like that. And I think with his sister, yeah, he's going to say something. You know, he's probably – palling around with his sister and he was probably with her and then someone you know, asked him about oh hey would you make your sister a supreme court justice and he knows that you know there'd be improprieties with that i can't see him him do, you know putting her to the supreme court just people will be crying oh, foul on be- that but of course he's going to say something you know he's hanging out with his sister to you know i mean maybe that was the case i mean i didn't read all the articles but i think people yeah. are just freaking out about some things yeah well, let's hope so. I, I mean, you know, I would Maybe think that's that the best would, analysis there. I would think that someone would counsel him that that was a, a very crony thing to do and, and very uh, – that he would – it would be a uh, – what do you call a conflict of interest even because – Oh, yeah, and he'll have to defend himself would and sure at some point. Think that, she would think that she had to perform the way he wanted her to, to perform, although, you know, she's probably an independent woman and would never do that. But you have to look at it how other people are going to look at it. What does it appear? What what What's the appearance of this, you know? And it would appear mm-hmm. very bad, okay, bad form, you know. So anyway, yeah, I, 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 just, I thought it was worth bringing up, though, because um, – I, I do worry about Trump, his his knowledge of uh, of the justices and who is worthy to be a constitutional judge and who is not. Um, you know, who would make a good judge because they they protect the Constitution. I mean, you know, he's going to get advice. People are going to tell him, but uh, you know, I just ho- I have to hope that right. he has good advice. And here's a and here's a here's an article on that. Uh, it says in case you need an, an now you know take take this as it is. Uh, but I think they didn't do any analysis. But we'll we'll, we'll uh, do that for this article. So in case you needed another reason to dislike Donald Trump, in addition to his flip flopping on abortion, immigration, and single payer health care, and his use of government to harass homeowners, um, and I've never heard anything about that. So maybe we'll look more into that. It says Donald Trump told Mark. Uh, Halperin yesterday that a sister of federal judge would be a phenomenal Supreme Court justice. He also said that we will have to rule that out uh, out now at least. He, uh, if he ever becomes president, let's hope he rules it out permanently. Uh, Marianne Trump-Berry came up in my book, uh, The Party of Death, for writing one of those heated judicial decisions in favor of giving constitutional protection to partial birth abortion. She called a New Jersey law against a desperate attempt to undermine Roe v. Wade. It was, she wrote, based on somatic mechanisms 
irrational line drawing, an obvious attempt to inflame public opinion instead of logic or medical evidence. It made no difference where the fetus was when it expired. Okay. That's right. Donald Trump's sister wrote in 2000 that it should be illegal to kill babies up to the point of departing their mother's womb. And he's cool with her being on the Supreme Court. Uh, Panoru's high, uh, point highlights Trump's untrustworthiness on abortion. It was Trump who in 1999 declared he was very pro-choice. Yet recently he said he would shut down the government if necessary to defund Planned Parenthood. Just a few days before saying he would fund Planned Parenthood's non-abortion services and products. I'm really just scrolling down here. It says, as this the case on many issues, Americans have no idea what Trump believes on abortion. Uh, Panuru is right to note that it's fine for Trump to praise his sister, but it's concerning to suggest that we allow such radical person to be one of the most powerful positions in the country, a position that would certainly help keep Roe v. Wade as a law of the land. No, as I said, he may have just been, you know, saying that, you know, about his sister. You know, uh, personally, do I think, you know, Donald Trump is, uh, you know, a, a pro-life, anti-abortion person? I would have to say, no, I don't think Probably that not. he is. <laughs> um, I, I don't think that he is. I Actually, I don't think he cares. I mean, I, I think that um, – You know, I, I don't. I think for him, it's. A, I think it's a non-issue for him. I think it's not for him. That's not even an issue that's important. I think he don't care yeah. either way. Well, apparently, and, it wasn't and, real important to his sister either. She said it made no difference where the fetus was when it expired. <laughs> right. I mean, that's okay. that's downright you know disgusting. I mean, that really bothers me to hear that. Yeah, yeah, that is pretty disgusting. But that just you know, I don't know. That's. Is that the upbringing he had? Is that where his head is at? Is that where he developed his philosophy, the same place she did? Um, you know, it's hard. It's hard to, Now, this is a Dustin Siggins uh, article, and I sent you another one, too, uh, with some other Trump uh, inadequacies. But uh, Dustin's apparently not kind of anti-Trump, to say the least. But anyway. But my point on this is this, and, and, and everyone who's a regular on this uh, show knows my stance, but for the new people listening to the show, uh, and if you're out there and you like to chime in, uh, whether you're listening from uh, Blog Talk Radio or if you're listening from elsewhere and you like to listen to the show, give us a call at 347-945-7428. It's actually the first time I gave out the number uh, tonight for the show. Uh, so but it, give us a call if you'd like to at least listen to the extended period. We'll see how far we get into that tonight. Uh, but give us a call at 347-945-7428 and push the one on your number dial uh, when you're ready to come in. Okay, Or if you just want to listen to us, uh, that's fine as well. well. For the new folks listening uh, into the show, you know, I'm definitely anti-abortion. I don't consider myself pro-life per se because I am pro-death penalty. And I don't think you can be considered pro-life and also be uh, pro-death penalty. So uh, anyway, but, you know, my, my point is, is that with his, his sister and with him and with let's look at when Bush was running. I mean, one of the reasons why conservatives really were pushing for Bush, and frankly, at the time I was one of them, uh, when, you know, Bush in his first year, was because we thought, oh, my gosh, we're going to get Bush in. He's kind of a 
he's a born again Christian and evangelical, and you know he's he's talking all this you know religious right wing stuff. We thought, man, this is guy, this is the guy who's going to put the justices in that are going to get rid of abortion. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. I, let's say we get a Ted Cruz in there. Do we really think that they'll put justices in? And, and Ben Carson pointed this out, and, and maybe we'll hear this as part of the clips. Uh, ben Carson pointed out that, you know, the next president will get three, maybe even four uh, nominees. So that's definitely so. I mean, not nominees, uh, Supreme Court justices. That's a possibility. Um, but we've heard this argument before when, you know, when, when electing, you know, conservative or so-called conservative uh, presidential candidates, oh, they'll be able to get rid of abortion. I know the big push when uh, uh, when Bush ran the first time. Uh, but now, I mean, do we think even if uh, Ted Cruz got in, that they would get justices in that would uh, overturn Roe v. Wade? Uh, Kelly, well, you uh, know, are, are you thought... back with us, sir? I'm here. Yeah, I'm right here. Oh, there you go. So, uh, did you want to comment on anything, if, you know, for myself from from Sunday or or the article that I read, or? Well, um, Trump and his sister, obviously, in New York, obviously, substantial uh, liberal influences. <laughs> um. Oi, 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 oi. Um. Let's see. There are other factors of the president than just being the president. One is um, appointing an attorney general who has enormous power over grand juries, although the power is unmerited, not substantiated, actually opposed by the Supreme Court. But nevertheless, the attorney general, um, that is an enormously powerful position because you can use the... Uh, justice system, not the Justice Department, because it's really an unjust department. But you can use the justice system to go after your enemies and protect your political allies. Yep. In fact, that's what one congressman wrote about um, Eric Holder in his tenure with as as the uh, Attorney General. The um, so then you have judges, you know, Supreme Court justices, not just the. Um, I don't know, replacing three, four, it could be five, who knows how many. That is a very, very critical thing to consider. And most most Americans don't don't get past these the you know, the importance of the attorney general and the Supreme Court justices. But you have in addition to that, you have lower Supreme Court justices. And those people over the decades can work up the chain of command and become Supreme Court justice. Um, Kagan was a very rare example where she was the solicitor general, never served as a judge, and she became one of the justices of the Supreme Court. Um, but mostly the presidents pick from those who've already served. They pick who's already been served up the chain of command from the lower courts. So this is something that, you know, Cindy, you've caught me uh, recatching some important things here. Important things like, yeah, the president is more than the president and then who he picks. And, of course, you also have, uh, when the president gets elected, you have all sorts of uh, cabinet members and, and their influence and this and that. Um, the uh, 
gosh, Secretary of War. You've got, um, oh gosh, this is embarrassing. Basically, the War Cabinet. Um, I mean, there's so many key, amazing people that that aren't just judges or the uh, Attorney General. It, it's really you pick a whole staff of people, and Cindy's discussion has brought me some hesitation for supporting Trump. Because who is he going to pick? I mean, yeah, they might be excellent, professional, and high caliber, but what about their moral standards? What about their stance on liberty in the Constitution? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he fires a whole bunch of people first day, you know, and then he's going to start appointing his people. Well, what kind of people is he going to pick? Well, it's based on people that re- reflect his values and his view of the world and view of the Constitution, view of the country. Right. It's like, ooh, is he? I, yeah. It, it's. I go back to Rand Paul or Ted Cruz was a natural citizen. I'd be so much more inclined to trust him, considering all the staffing they would pick. Mhm. Yeah, it's a it's a scary thought. It's who who becomes our next president is a is a very scary thought because uh, you you got to think who's out there that really stands up for our Constitution and wants to uh, appoint all the... Because look at the power that the bureaucracy has these days. The bureaucracy has its own tax system. We're being taxed out the wazoo, and we don't even know it through our mm-hmm. bureaucracy and the, and the regulations that they come up with. This is stuff not even passed by the Congress. We're getting, we're getting taxed out the wazoo by people who aren't even elected. So you you get these appointments and and you get you know like your EPA and all those people and and they're making these horrible uh restrictions and um on businesses and stuff and and making it so hard to be in in business. Making it so hard just to live. And, and Trump's going to be appointing those people. Yeah, I mean, well, obviously the obvious for Trump in Trump's favor is his business mindset, get stuff done, solve problems, help the economy flourish. Yeah, I do, I do like that. Yeah, no, I mean, that's an obvious, but that's not everything for a, a successful yeah, country. Yeah, it's just not everything. So it's... Yeah. You know what statement well, one person I, like. I think would do well for well here's the here, here's the thing I, one person I think would do well for the Supreme Court justices uh, as well as taxes and, and things of that nature unfortunately he's not doing so well in the polls um, is this next gentleman who's going to begin the uh, we're going to hear from for this next audio clip. It is true, U.S. companies have $2 trillion in cash sitting overseas right now. That could be used for investment and jobs in America. Also, several companies right now are pursuing mergers to move their corporate headquarters abroad and take advantage of much lower taxes. What will you do to stop the flow of companies building cash away from America and those leaving America altogether? Well... I would uh, suggest a fair tax system, and that's what we have proposed, a flat tax uh, for everybody, no exemptions, 
no deductions no shelters because some people have a better capability of taking advantage of those things than others you know and then the other thing we have to do is stop spending so much money you know I my mother taught me this you know she only had a third grade education but you know she knew how to stretch a dollar I mean she would drive a car until it wouldn't make a sound and then gather up all her coins and buy a new car in fact if my mother were secretary treasury we would not be in a deficit situation you know the fact of the matter is you know if we fix the taxation system make it absolutely fair and get rid of all of the incredible regulations because every regulation is a tax it's on goods and services and it's the most regressive tax that there is you know when you go into the store buy a box of laundry detergent and the price has gone up you know 50 cents because of regulation a poor person notices that a rich person does not middle class may notice it when they get to the cash register and everything is costing more money and we are killing our people like this and Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton will say it's those evil rich people it's not the evil rich people it's the evil government that is that is putting all these regulations on us so that we can survive Maria, what you were talking about just now is called corporate inversion. It's one of the biggest problems our country has. Right now, corporations by the thousands are thinking of leaving our country with the jobs, leave them behind. They're leaving because of taxes, but they're also leaving because they can't get their money back in. And everybody agrees, Democrats and Republicans, that it should come back in, but they can't get along. They can't even make a deal. Here's a case. They both agree. They can't make a deal. We have to do something. Corporate inversion is one of the biggest problems we have. So many companies are going to leave our country. Which is why we raise it. Senator Rubio, thank you, Mr. Trump. Thank you. One of the biggest fiscal challenges facing our country is our entitlement programs, particularly Social Security and Medicare. What policies will you put forward to make sure these programs are more financially secure? Well, first let me address the tax issue because it's related to the entitlement issue. And I want to thank you for holding a substantive debate where we can have debates about these key issues on taxes. Here's the one thing I'm not going to do. I'm not going to have something that Ted described in his tax plan. It's called the value-added tax. It is a tax you find in many companies in Europe where basically businesses now will have to pay a tax both on the money they make, but they also have to pay taxes on the money they pay their employees. And that's why they have it in Europe because it's a way to blindfold the people. That's what Ronald Reagan said. Ronald Reagan opposed the VAT tax because he said it was a way to blindfold the people so the true cost of government was not there for them. Now, you can, you, can, you can support one now that's very low, but what is to prevent a future liberal president or liberal Congress from coming back and not just raising the income tax, but also raising that VAT tax? And that VAT tax is really bad for seniors because seniors, if they are retired, are no longer learning or earning an income from a job, and therefore they don't get the income tax break but their prices are going to be higher because the VAT tax is embedded in both the prices that businesses are charging and in the wages they pay their employees. When I am President of the United States, I'm going to side with Ronald Reagan on this and not Nancy Pelosi, and we are not having a VAT tax. Thank you, Senator. Uh, Maria, Maria, I assume I can respond to that. Yes, of course. Well, Marco has been floating this attack for a few weeks now, uh, but the problem is the business flat tax in my proposal is not a VAT. A VAT is imposed as a sales tax when you buy a good. This is a business flat tax. It is imposed on businesses. And a critical piece that Marco seems to be missing is that this 16% business flat tax enables us to eliminate the corporate income tax. It goes away. 
It enables us to eliminate the death tax. If you're a farmer, if you're a rancher, if you're a small business owner, the death tax is gone. We eliminate the payroll tax. We eliminate the Obamacare taxes. And listen, there's a real difference between Marco's tax plan and mine. Mine gives every American a simple flat tax of 10%. Marco's top tax rate is 35%. My tax plan enables you to fill out your taxes on a postcard so we can abolish the IRS. Marco leaves the IRS code in with all of the complexity. We need to break the Washington cartel, and the only way to do it is end all the subsidies and all the mandates and have a simple flat tax. And the final observation, he invoked Ronald Reagan. I would note that Art Laffer, Ronald Reagan's chief economic advisor, has written publicly that my simple flat tax is the best tax plan of any of the individuals on this stage because it produces economic growth, it raises wages, and it helps everyone from the very poorest to the very richest. But that's not an accurate description of the plan. Because, first of all, you may rename the IRS, but you're not going to abolish the IRS because there has to be some agency that's going to collect your VAT tax. Someone's going to be collecting this tax. Number, in fact, Ronald Reagan's treasury, when Ronald Reagan's treasury looked at the VAT tax, you know what they found? That they were going to have to hire 20,000 new IRS agents to collect it. The second point, it doesn't eliminate the corporate tax or the payroll tax. Businesses will now have to pay 16% on the money they make. They will also have to pay 16% on the money they pay their employees. So there are people watching tonight in business. If you are now hit on a 60% tax on both your income and on the wages you pay your employees, where are you going to get that money from? You're going to get it by paying your employees less and charging your customers more. That is a tax. The difference is you don't see it on the bill. And that's why Ronald Reagan said that it was a blindfold. You blindfold the American people so they cannot see the true cost of government. Now, 16% is what the rate Ted wants it at. But what happens if, God forbid, the next Barack Obama takes over and the next Nancy Pelosi and the next Harry Reid, and they decide we're going to raise it to 30%, plus we're going to raise the income tax to 30%. Now you've got Europe. Maria, 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 I'd like to pay the debate on the floor of the Senate to actually answer the question you asked which was on entitlements. Do you remember that, everybody? This was a question on entitlements. I'll ask and, the and, the reason, and the reason, now you already had your chance, Mark, you blew it. Um, here's the thing. I'll be more happy to entitlement. The fact is, the reason why, if you'll answer the, the fact is, question. The fact is, the reason why that no one wants to answer entitlements up here is because it's hard. It's a hard problem. And I'm the only one up on this stage who, back in April, put forward a detailed entitlement reform plan that will save over $1 trillion save Social Security, save Medicare, and avoid this. Avoid what Hillary Rodham Clinton will do to you, because what she will do is come in and she will raise Social Security taxes. Bernie Sanders has already said it, and she is just one or two more poll drops down from even moving further left than she's moved already to get to the left of Bernie on this. We have seniors out there who are scared to death because this Congress, this one that we have right now, just stole $150 billion from the Social Security Retirement Fund to give it to the Social Security Disability Fund. A Republican Congress did that. And the fact is it was wrong. And they, con they consorted with Barack Obama to steal from Social Security. We need to reform Social Security. Might the only plan that saves over a trillion dollars. And that's why I'm asking your answering your question. Thank you, Governor.
Well, there you have it, folks. Um, Cindy, what do you think? Yeah, well, um, well, first of all, uh, the tax situation is never going to get solved as long as we have an IRS. The IRS has to be abolished. Um, Congress needs to take control of uh, the responsibility and the uh, punishment for doing the wrong thing, okay? They've got to be accountable, held accountable, and you cannot hold them accountable accountable when they can blame everything on the uh, on the IRS. Um, they've got to stop. <laughs> That's tax. true. They they've seem to do that, to, don't they? Yeah, they've got to stop passing all these on the bus bills where they got everything lumped into one, and it goes off, and it's real easy for Congress to just sign off and oh, but I didn't know that was in there. Okay. They need to go back to the line item spending bills where you vote line by line for each department and they and they and you're responsible for what goes into that department and it's it's more transparent. You know what your senator, your congressman voted for exactly. And uh I think if Congress has to spend more time on it and and pass each one line by line, I think they'll be a, a little more uh because they don't like to work. They don't like to work at all. They like to go have their big long lunch and their dinners and their parties. And they don't really want to work. But if we give them a line-by-line -line spending bill, they're going to have to work. And so they might reduce that spending bill so they don't have to work so hard. <laughs> but um, as far as, you know, flat tax, fair tax, and all of that, it's really semantics as long as we have an IRS. Um it, it, it just it just has to go. Do you think like we'll forever have the uh, the IRS? Do you think there's any? I mean, because you know, and I've said this before on the show. We we we've talked about, uh, and I'm talking about as a nation, the, the same things you know over and over and over again. I mean, we talk about immigration over again. We talk about the debt over and over again. We talk about you know this you know over 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 and over again about the IRS, you know taxation. Mm -hmm. Is there any pre any president that's actually going to get rid of the IRS? What do you think, Kelly? I mean, is it even possible? Well, it could be. When he was running in 12, on his website, he wrote that once I become president, I'm going to walk over to the IRS building and put a clothes sign in the front yard. <laughs> Ron Paul wanted to destroy the IRS and do something different. Mm -hmm. uh, Rand Paul probably hasn't he might be close to Ron Paul but hasn't really said it um, I'm not sure it depends on who stays in power because if the establishment stays in power they will continue um, the IRS because no way Jose get, yeah you get to use the IRS as a tool of persecution mm-hmm and the IRS is also used to keep people from questioning their oppressors. Endless ad nauseum hours that people have to put into for their accounting if you're running a business. And um, it's just really a tool. Um, what is it, 10% of the top wealthiest, 10% pay 90% of the tax to the IRS. The other 10% of the funding comes from 90% of the people. So, wait a minute. Yeah, it's it's a game show. Um, I mean, how about cut your budget by 10% and 
then you'd have 90% of the people not having to pay. <laughs> you know, we can't do that, can we? <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> so if, if the establishment continues to stay in power, then we are going to continue to have this. And then the um, endless political prosecution through the IRS. Uh, so it sounds like Ted Cruz, you know, um, it'd be a, you'd find your tax return on a postcard. Donald Trump, you said the same things before. Rand Paul would probably be there too, but these other establishment candidates, there's no way. I mean, Rubio talked about something, but he wants to tax what, 35% is what uh, Cruz said? Oh my gosh. Too much of a tool to fight against liberty. The whole IRS, I mean, the whole, by the way, you know what, you you know the word comes out when you put the IRS together? It, it spells theirs. <laughs> <laughs> well, the whole, the, it, it, it's it's so mm-hmm. archaic. I mean, my gosh, we put men on the moon. We invented the computer. Yeah, the IRS um, there is a good help. point. We can't figure this out. I mean, that's the obvious implication. If, if we have such a tax, complicated tax system, and yet we've got all these brainiacs, then is is it not indeed that the IRS system is, is for social manipulation and opposing political dissidents? We still have lawsuits pending right now by uh, True the Vote and others about the uh, IRS and how they uh, wouldn't give them their, their proper status, uh, their tax-exempt status, uh, well. and uh, we're giving them trouble with their applications and everything, and making them wait years to get their stuff. Some of them still haven't got it. And yet, there's a lot. At the homeless shelter, we got our um, 501c3 quicker than uh, these people. I mean, it was only a few months. I mean, seriously. Um, This was way after they applied. And this is a joke. I know, yeah, King Street Patriots, I can't remember the lady's name. I saw her give her testimony in front of Congress. This was unbelievable. Her testimony, I'll try to summarize it. You know, her and her husband have been running a business for like 20-plus years. They were successful. They decided to get involved in politics. Never done this before. They got involved real heavily. They got quite the following. And the IRS just came down and pounced on them. The, the business, which hadn't been operating very much differently, but their business was just getting hammered by the IRS. It wasn't just that they couldn't get... Um, their 501c3 status, it was their personal lives that they were they were getting audited and, and you know, uh, they were sending microscopes up their nose. I mean, it was ridiculous. It's so obvious as a social manipulative tool lists. to... They're asking, they're asking for lists of the people that belong to these uh, organizations also. They're they're fixing up a dossier on all, on all of us patriots. Yeah, it, yeah the income tax system... Well, we used to have apportionment where, based on the census, and, you know, say California is 20% of the population, okay, California, you, you send us a check for 20% of our estimated federal budget. How you collect it, we don't care. It's called apportionment. In fact, our system, from what the founders intended, we should be paying more in state tax than we do in federal tax. It is so upside right. down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, I had a friend at work who was, uh, who was, he said the exact same thing. Well, yeah, now we're giving tax credits for the poor. Like, it, this is socialism. 
that just the instrument, the structure of the IRS is such a political tool. It is absolutely horrifyingly disgusting, you know, on the left, on the on the the um, neocon right. You get rich people who will always hire their lobbyists to change the code so they don't have to pay as much expenses. The rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Uh, it, it has it just choose it's subject to manipulation way too much. Um, and it's also a game show, and I don't I don't want to tell you about Title Forty Six, Section Two Fifty Five of the U.S. Code, Interpretive Number Fourteen, or other court cases. It's a game show. Um, so the powers that be love it. You know the the ruling elite of our country they love the IRS. And when Cruz and, and Donald Trump are going to take their tool away, they're scared. Yeah, that's why, you know, I mean, and that's why one of the reasons why, I mean, I'm, I haven't fully jumped on the Trump bandwagon uh, at this point. Uh, but, you know, I mean, it can't be any worse what we got now with all these career politicians and, you know, the way they have things set up, you know, for themselves. Uh, you know, getting in there to get rich. Now, here, this actually uh, is going to bring us to the next clip uh, that I wanted to, uh, you, know, you know, part of the show of the debate. And, you know, actually, <laughs> because of the segue of me just bringing that up is, you know, and you're saying manipulating the IRS. I mean, and also, of course, to also think of this, folks, you know, because we know what the way the stock market's going, these people get all uh, rich because they don't have to abide by the same, uh, laws that, that we do, you know, especially when it comes uh, to, you know, getting information uh, about stocks, inside information, things of that nature. Uh, the, they're actually exempt from those types of uh, insider trading laws. Uh, and also, you know, I mean, they go in and they, it seems like they have so much more money uh, than when they come out. And actually, Trump was asked a question about his uh, his wealth. And so let's go ahead and hear what he had to say about that and what he would do, uh, you know, with his money. Mr. Trump, your net worth is in the multi-billions of dollars and have an ongoing, thriving hotel and real estate business. Are you planning on putting your assets in a blind trust should you become president? With such vast wealth, how difficult will it be for you to disentangle yourself from your business and your money and prioritize America's interests first? Well, it's an interesting question because I'm very proud of my company. As you too know, I built a very great company. But if I become president, I couldn't care less about my company. It's peanuts I want to make. I want to use that same up here, whatever it may be, to make America rich again and to make America great again. I have Ivanka and Eric and Don sitting there. Run the company, kids. Have a good time. I'm going to do it for America. <laughs> so I would, I would be willing to do it. Well, I don't know if it's a blind trust if Ivanka, Don, and Eric run it, but is that a blind trust? I don't know. But I would probably have my children run it with my executives, and I wouldn't ever be involved because I wouldn't care about anything but our country. Anything. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Governor Christie, uh, going back to your U.S. attorney days, you have been praised by both parties as certainly a tough law and order guy. So I wonder what you make of recent statistics. And that's actually a, a different uh, topic that uh, perhaps we'll go to uh, with that. And uh, do you see callers on the line? If you'd like to chime in, just push the one on your uh, number dial. 
and also those uh, who have not uh, as of yet called in and want to listen to the extended period of the show, uh, just give us a call at 347-945-7428 and uh, push the one on your number dial if you want to get in, because if you don't call within the next three minutes, uh, you won't be able to listen to or be a part of our extended period tonight and what we sometimes call lovingly Bard's Logic After Dark. So give us a call at 347-945-7428, or if you don't, within the next three minutes, your audio will cut out. And uh, I believe we got Ed here on the line, so let me open up uh, his mic. Thank you very much, Ed, for coming to the show. How are you today? Oh, Ed. Hit your mute button. (laughs) Okay, okay, perhaps uh, get someone else, but go ahead, uh, go ahead, uh, Kelly, and then, well, not Kelly, first uh, gave Cindy, then Kelly, on the comments of that, I'll be right back and do some uh, call screening here. Go ahead. This is my second favorite answer, or maybe second or third favorite answer um, of his all night. Um, I really like the way he, he convinced me, uh, you know, I... <laughs> He could be lying through his teeth, I don't know, but he convinced me that he is, if he gets this nomination and he becomes president, his business is going to be nothing to him. And his focus is going to be entirely on our nation and how to make it great again. Now, you know, (laughs) whether you can trust anybody what they say, I don't know. But like I said in the beginning of the show, he's become a polished politician. He knows how to answer these questions now. He's sounding a lot more coached and practiced. And and this one, I think, really did come from his heart. I really did see a uh, a genuine um, desire in his heart uh, to make America great again. I I. I I just have to believe him on that issue. Now, whether he is too egotistical and doesn't realize his ideas will or won't work, I don't know, because I have not gone to his, I have not dug into him deeply from what I've heard and seen in articles and speeches, interviews and all that. Sounds like a good, pretty good program. I have a few, I have a few things that I disagree with him about, but Basically, on this issue, uh, which is something that Jimmy Carter had to uh, face also with his big peanut business, and a lot of the presidents in the past have had to, you know, give up their interest in their their huge, you know, businesses uh, in order to run and not have a, a conflict of interest. And he really did, you know, that the business thing was like secondary. What I really, what got me was that I was totally convinced that this man wants to do everything he can, spend every energy, any energy that he has, any money he has to make this uh, America great again. Um, what I see is that he's willing to put out his own money to do it, He's willing to let loose of his company for a while to do it. Now, it is going to his children, and that's another story, but um, basically he's, he's, he, 
convinced me when he said, I don't care about my business. If I'm the President of the United States, I will not care at all what happens to my business. All I am going to focus on is what's, what's how to make this, this country great again. I, I like that. That's my second or third favorite answer as far as believability, and he got me to, um, you know, uh, embrace what he was saying. Wow. Well, yeah. Did you notice what Trump did there in that question? Are you going to put your assets into a blind trust? And the moderator tried to corner him a couple times. You know, so what was on the floor was option A or option B. And Trump said, option C, I'm going to let my family run it. In other words, he's smart enough to not get pinned into a corner. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. he keeps doing over and over and over. And what's happening here is beautiful, and American people are catching up on it. I mean, I just defined it a little bit more clearly. But the American people, you know, they get a sense that he's going to do his own thing. Now, do I believe him that he's going to um, get the country back up on its feet? Yes, I do, and here's why. There's two ways to tell if someone is telling the truth, okay? Uh, I mean, on the spot. Later, their actions prove that, if it's true or not, or whatever. But on the spot, tears or anger? Earlier, he expressed that he was angry. Angry, very, not just angry, I'm very angry. Uh And he listed a bunch of problems. So that emotion combined with that, question about his business tells me, yeah, I think he's the real thing in wanting to get the country straightened out. Now, on moral issues, that I'm not sure what kind of a compass he has. He will have pressure from the Republicans to lean against um, you know, things like abortion. He'll have pressure, not he's, he's, he doesn't I don't see him as a moral compass kind of guy uh, in the moral issues, social issues, but he's Business is business. You know, we have, an, we have a contract. I'll be honest. That kind of a business sense, yes, that. However, if let, let's just, just look down the road 12, 16 years from now, okay? Let's uh, suppose he becomes president. The country is back on its feet. The Republican Party is going to be the heroes and the champions, and everybody is going to be voting Republican. What does that mean? That means there's going to be an awful lot more conservatives getting into Congress because Trump did amazing things for the country. It's going to be stunning. And long term, I could see um, the people he gets into office could start changing things uh, in other aspects. Although he may not have the best moral compass, if he wins enough Republicans in the House and Senate because he's doing such a great job, the moral compass will come from the House and the Senate down the road. Now, unfortunately, folks, looks like we lost that, and because uh, we are in the extended period, unfortunately, we will not be able to uh, bring him back in, uh, unfortunately. Oh, well. Yeah, I know. I'm really, I'm really disappointed on that, too. Well, you know, Kelly, I, I don't really see this issue too much as a social issue, uh, social moral issue. I see it more as a, a general kind of moral or even an ethical issue as far as his uh, business is concerned and his, um, 
his ability to distance himself from cronyism and stuff like that uh, while he's in office. Um, and and that, that'll just have to remain to be seen because the Donald doesn't have that great of an ethical record uh, according to a lot of pundits out there. I, again, I have not done the research myself on that. I'm relying on, um, in this particular issue, on what other people have written and listening to him, you know, speak and his speeches and all. And you got to go look way back. Uh, you got to look at his time, you know, before he was ever uh, trying to be a candidate for anything, you know. But here's the thing. Donald Trump was a businessman from the get-go, and somewhere along the line, he looked around him and said, hey, this country's going in the toilet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to do something about this. And he and he realized that his money, sending his money off to all these people, really wasn't changing anything. And it was bettering his condition because he was getting crony favoritism, and he knew that. But it wasn't changing anything in the it. country. Right. It, it wasn't changing anything in the country. And he decided that maybe the way he could help this country was to actually get involved politically. And and I, mm-hmm. I'm following brainwaves that way because that's what it appears like to me. Because before 2010 or 11, you never heard of Donald, Donald Trump in the political arena other than to have well, he, he ran for president before party. for the Republicans, Bracely, didn't he? Yeah. In, uh, well, in 2011... He sort of made a a pre bid, kind of how how guys say um, I'm going to do an exploratory, you know. Exploratory, that means, yeah, right. they're thinking about running. He did some speeches and he got on, you know, he was trying to get on some ballots, but in the end, he he very early on he dropped out. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Giuliani was still there long after him, so he wasn't there very long. But uh, I think he kind of realized that. He needed to do some research on this political stuff, and I think he's been making a school of it, you know, and, and finding out what you have to do to to get to the presidency uh, all these these years since that that um, original bid. So I don't know. Um, you know, I see a lot of good indications that he would be good for our nation. There is no doubt about that. I love that he's not beholden to anybody monetarily he's got billions on his own he can spend a billion dollars on his campaign and not even feel it um so he doesn't have to have uh coke money he doesn't have to have uh uh, uh some solar company's money he doesn't need any of that so um in that regard there's a lot of good things about him uh, my only problem with Trump is just not knowing whether I can trust um, uh, in the, the the Supreme Court picks, the federal judge picks, the the cabinet picks. Uh, although you know he's been mentioning a lot of names, he's been dropping some good names for cabinet positions. So you know that makes me happy. But what they actually do, and Kelly was talking about the the vice presidential pick a little while ago, and and. Um, I was thinking to myself, 
it really does not do any good at all to sit here at this stage of the game before even Iowa has come up uh, and try mm-hmm. to decide to be a, a presidential, uh, a, a vice presidential pick or not, because you just don't know. All of a sudden, they get all these names and they got a short list, and and they're talking about the possibilities of this person and the possibilities of that person, and then all of a sudden you come down to it and the announcement comes and it's Sarah Palin. Who's that? <laughs> you know. <laughs> So it's like right. you know you just don't know who's going to come along. I'm, you know I'm, now. I'm glad you brought up. I'm glad you brought up Sarah Palin because I want to have that conversation tonight. Um, and a lot of people are really yeah. angry about this and really blasting Sarah Palin. Uh, and really? She came out and she endorsed. Uh, she endorsed uh, Trump, Trump today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, wasn't that yesterday? I thought she did it yesterday. I could be wrong. Oh, was it yesterday? Let's see. Let me see if I'm, I'm looking for the. Uh, let's see if I can find uh, an audio here. Um, Neither here nor there. <laughs> Details. She did. She did make an endorsement. Now she didn't show up at that rally. That um, you know he was saying, "Oh, we got a surprise um, guest coming and all," and everybody was conjecturing, "Oh, it must be Sarah Palin since she just made her, um, she just made her uh, endorsement and all that." But uh, she didn't show up there, and I don't know who did show up there. Cause, and maybe he thought she well, might. There, but there, well, it, well, let me let me see something. But I got um, hopefully the audio is going to be all right. But um, well, let, let me test something here real quick and see if I can uh, I can get this for us. Let's okay. let's let's see here. Uh, give me bear, bear a moment. A moment, Wesley. <laughs> Kelly, what would you what do you think about? Um, I mean, I've heard the Tea Party talking about how Sarah has abandoned them. Um, Christian um, conservatives have said how uh, Sarah has abandoned them. I think by, I, I think I might have I think I might have found that. Hold on, hold on, Cindy. Okay. Okay. Are you there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I might have found the uh, some audio. Yeah. She was going to endorse me. I was so honored. You have no idea how honored. And I would like to bring up, if I might, Governor Sarah Palin. Are you ready to make America great again? We all have a part in this. We all have a responsibility. Looking around at all of you, you hardworking Iowa families, you farm families, and teachers, and teamsters, and cops, and cooks. You rock and rollers and holy rollers. When we're talking about a nation without borders, when we're talking about uh, bankruptcies in our federal government, debt that our children and our grandchildren, they'll never be able to pay off. When we're talking about no more Reagan up power that, that comes from strength, power through strength, well, then we're talking about our very existence. So, no, we're not going to chill. In fact, it's time to drill, baby, drill down and hold these folks accountable. This power, his passion, it's the fabric of America, and it's woven by work ethic and dreams and drive and faith in the Almighty. What a combination. Are you ready to share in that again, Iowa? Because that's what's going to let you make America great again. Are you ready for that, Iowa? No more pussyfooting around. Our troops deserve the best. You 
Okay, this looks like that was just some snippets uh, from the speech uh, that she had. I don't know if we'll be able to I'll be able to find the, uh, the full en- endorsement, but we'll see. Uh, how's the audio on that, by the way? Yeah, it was a little dicey. wasn't wasn't horrible, but it was okay. <laughs> okay, well, just something at the spur of the moment. You try to get it piped in, but <laughs> yeah. Well, she gets a little shrill sometimes anyway, so kind of hard to listen to her sometimes. But, but y'all let yeah, me so know. What do you think? Well, like here's that. an article. Let me go ahead and uh, – where's my article? Uh, <laughs> I had an article. I, I hope I didn't just lose that <laughs> um, uh, about the endorsement. Oh, man. Uh, let's talk about what you know the endorsement means for her and – I mean, not her, but what it means for Trump and also – uh, what it means for Ted Cruz to not get her uh, her endorsement. What do you think, uh, uh, Cindy? I'm here. Okay. I pushed the wrong button. Um, luckily, I didn't push the off button. <laughs> um, yeah, that would be good. Yeah, no doubt. Well, it's down to two things. What I originally said, if this whole little birthing thing, this birthing controversy is about getting um, Cruz cleared for the way, cleared the way for Cruz to get his uh, VP nomination, um, and they're they're in it kind of together. He and Trump, they've got a plan. If that's the case, then he's not a, then he doesn't care that Sarah has uh, endorsed Trump. If he is, oh, uh, good point. <laughs> if he's if he's legitimately. Uh, trying to run for the presidency, and this little tiff about the birthing issue is really real between them, and it really is a a problem. Then, uh, then he probably would be feeling um, uh, abandoned by her because she represents the Tea Party movement, and that's basically where his votes come from. So, uh, she may drag a few votes off for him. You know, some of the Tea Party, the Tea Party is going to split over it. Some of them are going to be mad at her for doing it, and some of them are going to be, yeah, let's go, you know. Right. So, but it it all depends on, you know, what's going on behind the scenes, how how he's feeling about it. Yeah, that's true. That's a very yeah, that's a very good analysis. I think, um, you know, let's see, uh, you know, I'm just kind of searching for some more uh, articles, things of that nature for it. Uh, maybe get any kind of uh, statements that Cruz may have made. Uh, in regards to it. Uh, but while I'm looking for that, uh, what, what do you think about And I don't think she would be a vice presidential pick. And, and I wouldn't think she, at this point, I think she would be good for someone to campaign for Trump, but I don't think she'd be a good VP pick just because, you know, kind of one that's been there, done that. You know what I mean? It probably wouldn't be a good idea to try to do that before, you know, do that again. But go ahead, Kelly. Uh-huh. Well, what, what do you think? Um... Not sure uh, who would Trump pick as a VP. Um, that's real interesting. The Republican Party might dictate to him who he picks. Kind of like Reagan was told he would have George Bush Sr. Uh, be the VP. Um, but you know, it might get Sarah Palin some more airtime and get her to be governor. I don't know. Maybe she genuinely believes that. 
um, Trump would be really good. You know, I find it fascinating. We're talking mostly about Trump tonight. Um, you know, probably at the end of the show, you should ask who we're going to vote for at the election was today. Well, you know what? Why don't we do that now? <laughs> or you want to wait to the end of the show? Because <laughs> you might not know what our reactions. I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. Well, you Did know, you controversy gets you publicity. So as long as the controversy isn't too far on the negative side where it's actually going to make you lose votes, controversy can be a really good thing. Um, and this is definitely controversial for, for Sarah, but it is getting her back on the TV again. I mean, look how long it's been oh, since yeah. we've seen her, uh, her presence in front of the camera in any great capacity. Yeah, that's true. Now you got now you got the front runner of the Republican uh, uh, race coming out and mentioning her, bringing her up on his stage, um, you know, talking about her endorsement and all that, and he's happy to get it, you know. So this is uh, giving her publicity and um, gets her back in the limelight. So that's why it's good for Sarah. Um, it's good for Trump because he gets part of the Tea Party vote that might be otherwise going to Cruz or Carson or Rand Paul. Um, so, you know, she, he's, it's a good thing. I mean, that's a, that's an awesome endorsement right there, actually. I mean, that's certainly yeah, better actually, than McConnell, but, right? <laughs> yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, I actually got, um, uh, I hope I can still have the book. I actually had, um, uh, I actually got the meat pal in one time. I got the, she was at a book signing here uh, some years ago, and I had at least a. Uh, unfortunately, I, I moved since then. And I, I unfortunately I lost a lot of my books. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a book collector, and I, unfortunately I lost a lot of my books in that move. And unfortunately, that may have been you one of the books I. House. <laughs> What's cleaned that? House. What did you just cleaned house? You you decluttered. Yeah, and then uh, I had a book that was autographed by her, but uh, I think I may have, uh, unfortunately, I may have lost it in the move, which is unfortunate. Um, but anyway, yeah, but I did get to get the photo op with her uh, one time, and uh, that was pretty cool. And I actually have that uh, hanging up here framed in my office. So <laughs> so at least, uh, at least I got that. I don't have the book anymore, I don't think, but uh, at least I've got that. But, yeah, it was it was, it was pretty cool. I'm proud of my three different newt photo ops, ops so um, I think I got you beat right here. <laughs> well, I did get – well, I did have – well, the person ever sent me the picture, I did get uh, an autograph from Newt uh, when he was here uh, at a popular restaurant that a lot of politicians uh, actually visit uh, here on – in this uh, part of town, and then – so, I mean, I got his autograph, and, and I did get a picture taken with him. However, the person who took the picture never sent me the picture. So I was, I was very upset about that for, yeah, a long time. But I still I do have a picture uh, on my computer. I still got to get it printed out. I got to find it, get it printed out. But I have a picture of me with Virgil Goode, which is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I get, yeah, I get to meet uh, him, who's running for president for the Constitution Party. And uh, I got my picture taken with him and a couple of his uh, uh, people. So that was pretty neat. 
Well, let me change the subject real quick for a second. Who is running for the Constitution Party again uh, uh, this year? That's a good question. I mean, I haven't heard from them for a while. You know, there was a time where, you know, we were even discussing me being a moderator for their upcoming uh, presidential debate in Idaho uh, the end of next month. And we're actually, he said that they've uh, three of the candidates agreed to come on to the show and do an interview. Uh, I have not heard back, cool. and they were supposed to do it, uh, you know, the beginning of the year. Well, I have not. First, there, the, the candidates were talking about doing it before Christmas, but I said, well, with Christmas coming on, you know, you may want to wait till you know, to after the new year. Well, I haven't heard anything back from uh, from the gentleman from Idaho. He's the uh, the chairman of the Constitution Party there in Idaho, and I've sent emails, and I have not gotten any responses. So. I hope he's okay. Well, I got to tell you, um, I, I, I got to tell you, Robert. Um, I know three guys here in our county that are running, and like you can't get them to do anything because all they're doing is running and running and running. These guys are so up to their eyeballs in activities. Uh, these days, a politician has to show up everywhere. I mean, everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then they got to walk precincts, and they got to make phone calls, and they got to fundraise. They got a million things they got to do these days to get elected. So it's really tough to try to get some time out of one of them. So, uh, oh, yeah, I know. I know. And, uh, and now that Bevin, and yeah, well, I try to get Bevin back on the show, and now he's the governor of Kentucky. You know, it's like when right. he was running, we had him on three times. <laughs> now, right. he's, now he's the governor. And now, I'm, you know, I, I, I haven't reached out in a little while, maybe a couple months, because um, uh, I did try to reach out to him in uh, late November or mid-November, early December. Uh, but now that, you know, all that hoopla from just getting elected is over, uh, perhaps we, I, you know, I'll make an attempt again to get him on, get him back on the show. But, yeah, now that he's governor of Kentucky, he's, he's proving a little bit harder to get a hold of. <laughs> yep, yep. Well, anyway. Well, you know that's... what? Uh, well, well, I actually worked on getting uh, Fiorina on the, uh, on the show. And, you know, they, they, uh, cause I was, you know, going to go with, uh, some of the, the other more grassroots candidates. You know, this is a grassroots show. Uh, working on getting the grassroots candidates. Uh, I've reached out to Carson's campaign as well. And I'm starting to wonder that, you know, perhaps because they did not come on to Bard's Logic, perhaps that's why their campaigns aren't doing as well as they could have if they would have come on to the show. <laughs> oh, that's great. Hey, listen, Robert, I, if you have it queued up, I want you to play my favorite response by Trump during that debate, and that was his response to the New York Values uh, Oh, I do have that. I, I yeah, really want to. I, I, I want to hear that. And I want to talk about that because I, I, that's epic. His response is just epic. Yeah, I, I will. Uh, yeah, I do have that actually. And um, let me see. Let me find that. I'll tell you the reason I think it's epic. Oh, go ahead. And here you go. And switch gears. Senator Cruz, you suggested Mr. Trump, quote, embodies New York values. Could you explain what you mean by that? You know, I think most people know exactly what New York values are. I am from New York. You're from New York, so you might not. But I promise you in the state of South Carolina, they do. 
are many, many wonderful, wonderful working men and women in the state of New York. But everyone understands that the values in New York City are socially liberal or pro-abortion or pro-gay marriage, focused around money and the media. And, and I would note, indeed, the reason I said that is I was asked, my friend Donald has taken to at his events playing Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA. Um, and I was asked what I thought of that, and I said, well, if he wanted to play a song, maybe he could play New York, New York. And, and you know, the concept of New York values is not that complicated to figure out. Uh, not too many years ago, Donald did a long interview with Tim Russert. And in that interview, he explained his views on a whole host of issues that were very, very different from the views he's describing now. And his explanation, he said, look, I'm from New York. That's what we believe in New York. Those aren't Iowa values, but this is what we believe in New York. And so that was his explanation. And, and I guess I can, can frame it another way. Not a lot of conservatives come out of Manhattan. I'm just saying. <laughs> Conservatives actually do come out of Manhattan, including William F. Buckley and others, just so you understand. And just so, if I could, because he insulted a lot of people, I've had more calls on that statement that Ted made. That New York is a great place. It's got great people. It's got loving people, wonderful people. When the World Trade Center came down, I saw something that no place on earth could have handled more beautifully more humanely than New York. You had two 100... You had two 110-story buildings come crashing down. I saw them come down. Thousands of people killed. And the cleanup started the next day, and it was the most horrific cleanup probably in the history of doing this and in construction. I was down there. And I've never seen anything like it. And the people in New York fought and fought and fought. And we saw more death and even the smell of death. Nobody understood it. And it was with us for months, the smell, the air. And we rebuilt downtown Manhattan. And everybody in the world watched. And everybody in the world loved New York and loved New Yorkers. And I have to tell you, that was a very insulting statement that Ted made. Okay, we're going to try to get uh, Cindy back on the line here, Kelly. Uh, but while we do, um, you know, let's I'm go on. ahead. And I'm going to play. Yeah, I know you're going to be working on something here for us uh, with that. And so while we're trying to uh, bring her back on, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and play uh, another audio clip that I have here. Uh, and that's going to be uh, one of the last comments of the night there by uh, ben Carson. So let's, uh, I'm going to go ahead and try to bring that on uh, so we can hear what his closing statements are. You know, in recent travels around this country, I've encountered so many Americans who are discouraged and angry as they watch our freedom, our security, and the American dream slipping away under an unresponsive government that is populated by bureaucrats and special interest groups. We're not going to solve this problem with traditional politics. 
The only way we're going to solve this problem is with we the people. And I ask you to join me in truth, in honesty, in integrity. BenCarson.com. We will heal, inspire, and revive America for our children. Hey, while we're uh, trying to get uh, bring Cindy back onto the show, uh, Kelly, you asked earlier this evening on who my first pick uh, for uh, if I had to vote today, uh, and then I know our uh, vote here in Ohio is going to come uh, in a couple of months. Uh, but if I was had to vote for today, and, and maybe this will change by Super Tuesday, or uh, perhaps not, you know, because you know, I, I I do vote for the person who I would want. Uh, best regardless of whether I thought how much of a chance they had of winning uh, just because I vote by conscience. Um, And at this point, Ben Carson would be the person I personally would uh, would vote for first. I would vote for Ben uh, Ben Carson if uh, the one was held today. Now, one of the things uh, I like, and and, and one day we are going to have somebody uh, to discuss with us about the political system in Ireland and how they do their voting and how they do their representation. Because I tell you what, it's just it's a phenomenal way of voting, and I think it's the best way of uh, you know of, of showing you know the most representation that you can you can get. Because what they do is they do preferential voting there in Ireland, which basically uh, let's say we are have you know how many candidates we have for president, and the way they had uh, a number of candidates for president as, as we do. Uh, someone would say, okay, well, I like Ben Carson first, so he'd be my first pick. And I like Donald Trump second, and he'd be my second pick. And I like Ted Cruz or John Kasich third, and that'd be my third pick. And so what they do is they put it in an order of preference. And then there's some really complicated mathematical uh, way for them to figure out how a person wins. And I would really like to have somebody uh, be able to describe that. So uh, that, that's another thing we'll be working on this year. Uh, so uh, – that would be answer your question. My first would be uh, Ben Carson, then after Ben Carson, it would be Donald Trump. Uh, but Kelly, did you have any uh, luck getting hold of Cindy? I'm here. Oh, awesome. Can you hear me? So we're, we're able to make it happen. I, I really like uh, – unfortunately, I'm not able to do that any longer with the, uh, with my line. I don't know why. I used to be able to do that. I don't know why it's changed now. Uh, but be that as it may, we've got you back. Thank you very much, Kelly. Uh, for doing that, so Cindy, uh, uh, I'm, I'm sure you yeah. you know listen to that debate, and so you'll know uh, how to comment on that. So go ahead. Well, I didn't hear exactly what part of it you you played because I was well, gone somewhere because I touched something on my phone. But anyway, um, okay. Well, you so I can, much, I, Kelly, you know what? For... It, it's not a, it's not a long clip. I can replay it if if you like. No, that's all right. I, I know it by heart almost, so don't worry about it. <laughs> I'll, I can okay. make my comment without hearing it again. Um, i tell you why. Remember I said I, I thought it was an epic comic, and I'll tell you why I think it's epic. Because you and I know exactly what Ted Cruz meant. Just like Ted Cruz said, most people in America know exactly what I meant by New York values. And I think you and I know exactly what he meant by New York values. Um, mm-hmm. We're, talk, we're talking very liberal social and fiscal values in New York. Now, you know, upstate New York, you're going to find some conservative uh, pockets in New York. But by and large, New York, uh, especially New York, New York, 
is a very morally, hmm, I don't want to say bankrupt because there are good Christian people living there. There's good moral people, people like, you know, that aren't necessarily any religion. They're just, they just happen to be conservative. There's those people everywhere, and they're they're in New York too, but they are not by any slight bit of imagination in the majority. They are <clears throat> a very small minority. Um, and yet, when Trump answers that, when he <laughs> rebuts that accusation about New York values, it is done with such suave, um, uh, sophisticated, polished political answer uh, that even a Christian like me was proud of his answer. <laughs> He's defending New York City, and I'm proud of him for how he answered that question. I don't think that uh, – I think that per, per a person's moral values, their their ethical values – are fair game during an election. Now, you know that I I think that their moral standing, their moral uh, condition is extremely important for them to lead our nation. Um, the Founding Fathers said that, too. And so um, I, I'm, I'm very concerned about his New York values. But just the way he defended them and the way he talked about the good people there um you just you just kind of <laughs> he just kind of went oh yay go go trump you know that was awesome answer you know way to way to answer that question so that's the reason i i it's my favorite uh, answer of the evening and uh and I, and i thought it was very I, I, when a christian moral conservative like me finds myself on the side of the guy with the New York values, that's, that's, that's an epic. I mean, he really, he really went a long ways there. So, um, so uh, kudos to that answer. <laughs> and Kelly, would you like to uh, chime in on that? Uh, sure. Sure. Uh, <laughs> there's values in New York. <laughs> Monetary value, that's for sure. Um Yeah, I knew this girl, I met her at a wedding reception of a really good friend and Well, she wasn't happy with her sex life, so she was gonna move to New York for lots of sex and I'm like, Are you serious? <laughs> wow. I mean Why would she tell you right there, right, Kelly? <laughs> this is what you get her dog. Oh, yeah, I said, why, why would she do that when she's got you, right, Kelly? <laughs> yeah, well, I've, I've never done a one-night stand. Anyway, but... Um, to make it two nights. Imagine, okay, <laughs> imagine that. A California girl, and she was beautiful and all. Um, I'm like, you're going to move to New York hair? because... No. That's a whole <laughs> okay. other topic. Um, <laughs> but I was like blown away. I mean, that's why I asked her. Are there are there are actually values in New York. Um, <laughs> yeah. um. <laughs> so anyway, um, 
Trump is rather interesting because from a sheer business perspective, um, to spend, oh, who knows how much, $100 million, $2 billion, whatever he's going to spend, you know, let's say he's going to spend, uh, I don't know, $50 million on his campaign for a $200,000 a year job. That just don't make no sense. Um, so, obviously, he's not in it for them. I've had multi-millionaire clients. I've had many of them. They're arrogant, too, but that's another story. So, they know everything about everything because you made a million. They made a million and you did not. Anyway, um, some of these clients go and buy a home just, just for kick, just for fun, just for something to do. And when Trump is um, wanting to become president, that says a lot. He wants to become president even though he's not going to make much money doing it. Yeah, like nothing. Right. He has to take a huge income loss. <laughs> right. You know, yeah, he's worth, well, the, as they said, I mean, he's worth, you know, in the debate, he's worth billions, and I think the president only makes like 400000 a year, and all his clothes and everything are all paid for, and it's not, but who knows? Trump might say, you know what, I got my own clothes. I don't need to <laughs> the, the, the country buy my own clothes. <laughs> Yeah. He's well, also not spending what, uh, as much for- other candidates. Uh, Trump's not spending as much money on marketing and advertising as other candidates are. Now, I find that real interesting because... Um, he doesn't he have to. Of, yeah, he doesn't have to, but you wonder if that's a business decision also. I mean, it's something that... You know what's fascinating is if he gets the nomination and he goes up against Hillary... He said, you know, uh, I got the Republican nomination, and I uh, only spent like, uh, oh, $30 million. Pick a number. I'm just, I don't know what it's going to be. But I only spent $30 million. How many million did you get? Oh, that's right. You spent a lot of money um, to get the nomination, even though you were shooing. I mean, that's just not good business sense, is it? I mean, he, he didn't be able to pull <laughs> pork. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to see what the numbers are and all, but he, he's going to get some major points from not having to spend very much money. I mean that that is his first political uh endeavors that have oh, Kelly, now let me take it let me take it a little further there. So then she can't even say to him, Well, the reason you got all that you didn't have to spend money is because you got all that free publicity. But here's the thing, she's getting just as much publicity for free because of her Benghazi stuff and all these other Terrible things she's. Well, he, 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 well, I'll be taller on that. Well, you got free from this with Benghazi. I could, and you know, thirteen-hour movie. Oh, I could see, I could see. Hey, you've heard of the movie Thirteen Hours, haven't you? I haven't seen yeah. it yet, no, but I, I know about it. But I've heard about it. Yeah. I, I'm going to predict Wait, that well, she's going to lose at least five uh, percentage points in the general election because of that movie. At least five. Well, I did see an article where it said a whole bunch of people um, tweeted angry, very angrily at her after watching that movie. Democrats, Democrats tweeted very angrily at her after that movie. Well, and I mentioned this on Facebook on that for that movie is they need to play that all summer and spring long. See, that's my concern about the timing of them having this movie come out. I think that they should have had this movie come out. After or during the general election, 
because yeah. one of the shortest memories in the United States is its political memory. And my concern is, and maybe, you know, they think, well, it'll be out on DVD. But my concern is, is they're going to have this movie in theaters, everybody's going to be up in arms about Hillary, and then it's going to fade by the time, you know, the general election gets here. So we have to try to get have, like, uh, neighborhood parties to show the movie, you know, or, or, or passing the movie out to people. She gets to... Uh, you know, the general election, which you know, she may actually lose. I mean, Bernie Sanders is doing all right. But uh, I see we only got 20 minutes left. I do want to answer uh, – you guys be able to answer that question Kelly posed earlier. Uh, but you brought up polls, and I'm looking at real, real clear politics uh, polls right now. And as things stand now, unfortunately, Trump would lose against Hillary Clinton, 45.3 for her and 42.8 for Trump. Okay, so Trump's actually losing the Clinton Wait, the other right way now. Around? No, Trump is, is actually losing by two point five. Oh, you think? I'm just going by real. That's funny because I'm just going by real clear politics. I've seen, yeah, well, I've seen uh, polls exactly the opposite of that. So at this point, it's too early to say anyway. But I got another thought on on the timing of that movie coming out. Uh, the fact that it came out now instead of too late into the summer uh, may it may stir up and anger the people so much now that they know more of the details about what went on. They may put enough pressure on uh, Congress and the the Attorney General to prosecute prosecute this woman and. Um, there it needs we need time to bring these charges against her um and 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 make them stick before she actually gets the nomination or at least before she gets deep into the um the election cycle so well, maybe could, it's good that that they've done it now what do you think kelly they could already be working on this investigation uh-huh. Grand jury members are essentially sworn to secrecy, mm-hmm. so we could we could see uh, an, an indictment come out, and all of a sudden, what? So um, we we don't know, but there's there's going to be um, five percentage points. I mean, yeah, it, it, there could be so much pressure. I guess Obama doesn't like Hillary and would love to take her down. Um, so says Alex Jones, but um, it'll be interesting to see. And this whole election season is going to be absolutely fascinating. Um, and just, just mind-blowing. Yeah. It's definitely uh, one for the record books. Yeah. One for, one for the history books. And then you got a third party. Uh, Gary Johnson's running again. And, you know, I like him except for he doesn't have the moral issues. He hasn't figured out, even though libertarian, he hasn't got it figured out that it doesn't belong in the hands of the feds, but he's running, and there's going to be, uh, there's already a lawsuit, which is um, citing the Sherman Antitrust Act to get them onto the R&D debate. Now, if he gets on a few debates with, say, say it's Hillary and Donald, um, it's going to be a stunner. Because Gary Johnson is just funny. Yeah. Um, he's just funny. 
He gets your attention. Well, I know in 2012, one of the things that turned... Well, I know in 2012, one of the things that turned a lot of people off to Gary Johnson is he really went, really left. He, yeah, he had some issues there. Um, it's turned off a lot of people. I'll, you know, I, I try so, oh, well, Judge Gray might have some influence on him to social issues in the hands of the states. Because that's really uh, a really – oh, Harry Brown, he ran for president of the Libertarian Party, and he was a Christian, and he was pro-life, but he had the same essential positions that I have. And if uh, Gary Johnson picked that up, that would be refreshing. It is a little frightening that people will vote for somebody just because they say I'm pro-life or pro-choice. It's really frightening because there's so many, a whole plethora of issues like, you know, TPP, turning over our sovereignty in, in a treaty. I mean, come on, yeah. guys. It, it's, it's really yeah, frustrating. There's some audio on that, but that, and they did talk a little bit about TPP or who was, who was for it, uh, but unfortunately we didn't get to those clips. So are you saying uh, that if the election was held today, you'd vote for uh, uh, Gary? The election held today, Gary I'd vote Johnson? for Hillary Clinton because – because then I want to see the revolution happen as soon as possible. <laughs> if it was held today, here's the, here's the trick, a little caveat. If I was in Iowa, okay, which we only have two weeks away, and a little more than two weeks. Anyway, if the election were held today and I was in Iowa, I'd, I'd vote for Rand Paul. Because of his stance on the Constitution. And because he actually, I think there's going to be a big surprise. Iowa is kind of a you know, testing the waters kind of a vote, and you really got to finish in top four, or you're done. That's pretty much uh, the history of that. I mean, they start dropping off like flies after Iowa, New Hampshire. Right, and, and actually, yeah, and those and, and those top four in Iowa right now are Trump, Cruz, Rubio, and Carson are the top four in Iowa right now. So at least okay. according to Real Clear Politics, that's an well, average according is, to Real Clear Politics. Right. Well, the thing is, with these jokers, um, the, the establishment hates Rand Paul. And whoever's running the real clear politics doesn't want Rand Paul anywhere near a television screen. So it's rather frustrating. Oh, um, you're not so a fan I, of real I, clear I, politics? You know, it's just, I, I just don't – I because of Iowa's uniqueness, I would vote for Rand Paul today in Iowa, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, in June is when our primary is, and we'll, I, I, we'll, we shall see who we have left outstanding right. of, uh you know, four months. So, February well, – You know, I do have June. one thing against Rand Paul. Well, um well, well, two things against Rand Paul. You're, you're, Paul. You're, um, you're more of a yeah. You're more of a dove like he is. I'm I'm pretty much of a hawk. I think uh, we need to really get tough with the with the the ISIS people. I think we need to. I'm I'm with Trump on. We need to close our borders uh, to all Muslims coming in because you cannot vet them one by one. It's an impossibility. And you let one guy in. One wrong guy in, and you you can bring a whole city down. So, um, well, I, I'm 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 for closing the borders, and he's not. 
and I'm I'm for uh, uh, I know he wants to protect the borders, and and that's a good thing. But he's not for absolutely stopping all Muslim immigration for uh, for a temporary time anyway. And also, um, I have this against him, and that is and and more this is more so than his his dovishness. I I have he endorsed uh, Mitch McConnell. Oh, that is a sin so many will not forgive him for. That is a sin that I am having a hard time forgiving. Yeah, me too, actually. (laughs) Yeah, me too. He endorsed Mitt Romney over his father. I mean, come on, guys. Yeah, he he endorsed Mitt Romney over Gingrich and Ron Paul. Well, Ron Paul is out, but through my understanding, he, yeah, when when it was between Mitch McConnell and Matt Bevin, he endorsed uh, Mitch McConnell. Now, somebody told me, at, you know, at, at my work that uh, Matt Bevin has kind of made peace with Rand Paul on that. Um, I, I don't know. I'll have to. He said there was an article or something. I'll have to uh, to look that up. So. Mhm. Well, I. But just, I'm not I, sure if I, that's I, true I see or not. So many things. I, I just see so many things he's done to appease the establishment, and that just worries me. And, and I know he's doing it so that he can get a platform to speak, but they're not going to give him a platform to speak. It's it's you cannot you can't work with people like that. You you, you just have to roll over them like a steamroller if you can, kind of like Donald Trump is. <laughs> well, I know it's. I love I loved it when uh, the discussion was on the Patriot Act and Fourth Amendment, and Rand Paul says, "Why don't we try freedom for a while?" <laughs> you know. Yeah. I love well, it. well, yeah, well I do, check yeah. this out. It looks like, uh, according to the Politico, Matt Bevin, presidentially, is backing Ben Carson. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Now this is a September thirtieth, two thousand fifteen. Um, it says Rand Paul's return to Kentucky this weekend to aid the stumbling campaign of his home state Republican gubernatorial nominee, even though he won. Just got really awkward. During a radio debate Wednesday morning, Matt Bevin, the GOP candidate for governor, of course he won, we know that now, was asked who he support in the upcoming presidential race if the vote were held today. His answer, not Paul, but neurosurgeon Ben Carson. Of, uh, of those still in the race right now, I like Ben Carson, Ben said during the debate hosted by the syndicated uh, Kentucky Sports Radio. He's not ta- uh, taking shots at people. He's intelligent. He's articulate. He's respected. I think the world of Rand, added Bevin, uh, when pressed about Paul's candidacy, but in terms of who I would uh, select right now, he's not the first choice I would make. Huh. Wow, interesting. What? Yeah. Well, I, and, that, and it doesn't surprise me, and this is why. It doesn't surprise me because you've got one grassroots candidate to another. I mean, neither one of them are politicians. You know, this is their first stint in, in being in politics, and I think that that's what he's doing. I think that he's supporting the, you know, another grassroots candidate. Yeah. But anyway, I just looked at the time, folks, and this is awful. It's it's, it's about that time. So, Cindy, uh, who yeah. at the election was held today? Who would you vote for? I what? I said if the election was held today, who would you vote for? Oh, my gosh. I knew you were going to come to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just don't know. 
I would be driving to my precinct not knowing who I was going to vote for today. That's that's who I would vote for. I, I would be driving there right now, getting out of my car, walking into the building, signing my name, getting my ballot, walking over to the ballot box with my pen in hand going, who the heck am I going to vote for? <laughs> that's well, where yeah, I am right now for me. today. Yeah, it'll be tough for me too. Um, I mean, right now I'm in between uh, Ben Carson and and uh, and, tr- and Trump. I mean, if I have to do it today, if I was looking at both, I could say that my hand would scratch in for for Ben Carson. He'd be the first one I I vote for. But with that, unfortunately, well, it looks like we're going to have to get our closing thoughts for tonight. Uh, so each person spend uh, gosh, not even a minute, and then I'll have to close things out. So let's go ahead and give it over to. Uh, you, Cindy, and then you, Kelly, and then each get about a minute, and then I'll have to uh, close things out. Go ahead. Oh, me first? Let, let Kelly go first. I'm looking something up real quick. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Kelly. Well, yeah, my, my second is uh, it's kind of tough, but, but Trump, I mean, I, it, what's interesting here is we're, I think I think we're all, well, I, I don't know if Cindy said her second, but uh, Robert's second was Trump. His first was Ben Carson. Me was Rand Paul, and then Trump. Um, no, my first choice was Hillary Clinton. Start the revolution soon. It's possible. All right, um, Cindy, what's your second? What's your backup on that one? And by the way, I can't do Cruz because you know I don't believe he's constitutionally eligible. You, you mean? Well, I'm not exactly understanding your question. Who is my second choice? Yeah, your second that- choice. I'll give you my short list. Um, I'd be standing there either going to vote for um, Ben Carson, Rand Paul, Donald Trump. Keep going. you got about 17 more on the list. No, I think that's it. I think that's as far as I'm going to go. At this point, I think they're the only three I would vote for. And, and the only reason I wouldn't consider Cruz is because of his eligibility problem right now. If that if that should get solved, um, I could become a Cruz supporter. However, I have a lot against him that uh, puts him in the camp of the establishment. So, uh, and the new order and the new world order people. So I just I don't think he would be at the top of my short list. Let me just put it that way. Huh. Interesting. Who did you think I would vote for? Well, with, well, well, and that's folks. Unfortunately, I've got to uh, get ready to do my my, my closing comments, and uh, I want to thank, of course, you guys for coming to the show. Um, uh, definitely uh, check out the website at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com and check uh, the different pages out there. Uh, as well as different ways to uh, promote the show. Uh, one is uh, on the beginning page, on the home page. Uh, you can tweet out the link, and you can also uh, find the Bard's Logic Political Talk page on Facebook. Uh, and also on the contact page, you can see the email uh, that I send out to folks to our email list. Uh, so if you haven't received an email or uh, you want to put the email out, uh, I know I'd really appreciate it is if you just pretty much just copy and paste uh, what I have there 
on the contacts page. You just have to scroll down a little bit to see what the email letter is. And then just uh, copy and paste to put it in your own uh, composition and send it out to the people on your email list. And I'd really appreciate that. And uh, so that'll get the word out about the show. And uh, we'd like to get you know more people on here, uh, not just listening, but, of course, participation, too, uh, because we'd like to hear from you, the listeners. And next week we will have Dr. Tolbert coming on the show. And what we're going to discuss is the effects of the Hispanic and West Indies culture on America today and in the future. And so we'll be talking about that uh, next week on the 28th. And so uh, we're looking forward to having him on. And so, of course, I will end tonight, as I do every night, and that is by playing the song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. And, of course, again, visit our website at www.bardslogicpluraltalk.com. So good night, everyone. Take care, and we will see you next week. Good night. Good night, night. Good night Kelly. Good night, Robert.